Damaging storms have hit us over and over. Shamrock is leading up the recovery effort. Get a free inspection and if need be, we'll repair or replace your roof while working with your insurance company to set your mind at ease. One call does it all. Shamrockroofer.com. Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57! If you want Chiefs, follow the leader. Sports Radio 810 WHB. If they're always like that, I guess play every game at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Woo! Never a doubt and... We're plenty caffeinated here at the Sports Radio 810 WHB studios. Brought in some special game day morning coffee. Brought plenty of high-octane caffeinated, definitely not jet-lagged action in Germany as the Kansas City Chiefs are victorious over the Miami Dolphins. Live from Frankfurt. And what a game it was. Chiefs 21, Dolphins 14, giving us plenty to talk about, but also, I think, more than anything else, just affirming some things that we already knew about the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs. It's wild. We'll circle back through a bunch of it. Uh, I'm Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass. He's taking your calls right now, producing the effort. Covell Hudson, cutting audio, producing the show as well. Appreciate you being with us here on what is uh, good morning, good afternoon. What time is it? 11.38? An absolute spagster class from Steve Spagnolo on the defensive side. Another defensive performance by this Chiefs team where, fun fact, uh, 21-14, to 14, you subtract seven points of that scored by the defense – and it's a tie ball game. This was stressful. The Chiefs have some problems. They have some excellent, excellent pieces. But truly, where I stand now is that this is the Chiefs team we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. And here, the fish, the mammal, did not get let off the hook. Especially when you consider that Chris Jones had a four-point penalty, which we can talk about some. I'm sure we'll talk about less because the Chiefs did still win this game and mercifully didn't lose it by that margin. But with the exception of Chris Jones' four-point penalty, all of a sudden you're talking about this being a seven points from the Chiefs' defense, ten points from the Dolphins' offense type of game. Now, that, that, that penalty was still there. So they can they can own all fourteen if you like. Chris Jones is a member of the defense. It's not like it's not quite like saying you know. Well, if the Chiefs didn't give the ball to the Broncos in good field position over and over and over again, it still would have. No, truly here, the Chiefs' defense is once again the story. Even noting one late penalty that I've still only ever seen a pretty mild angle of. I'm not saying it wasn't a dumb penalty or that it wasn't a good call. Just the only thing they showed on the broadcast was from, like, chest up, and I haven't seen another replay of it yet. But with that one exception, and when I'm glad I couldn't get to the sportsbook apps to bet on Tyreek Hill touchdowns that never came, the Chiefs' defense was exceptional today. Absolutely exceptional. In all phases, from all angles, they did everything you could ask them to do. 
Raheem Mostert ends up with a much better stat line than the rest of the game indicated because he had good chunk runs there at the end. They did not end up getting cashed in. But especially early on, and really with the exception of that final, the Chiefs' run defense was disciplined. They held the edges. They forced things back into either inside or or out of space entirely. And for all the the, the talk we had about the the Dolphins' offense and what the Chiefs' defense was going to try to do all day today, we talked about all of it last week. And I think it pretty much all came to fruition. It was, and this is just sort of a, a, I guess, part of the Dolphins game. And you also kind of get used on purpose from Miami. It's really obvious most of the time, more obvious than most NFL quarterbacks, I think. It is obvious when Tua Tungavailoa is going through his progressions in real time. It's partially the offense, what they're asking him to do and all of that. So there are also a couple of plays where it was like, okay, here's Tua's first read. Ah, that was a misdirection. It's actually, here's where the play's supposed to go. But for all of the timing and rhythm conversation that was being had at Arrowhead all week, for all the discussion of the speed that comes from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert, with all of that discussed, the Chiefs just answered it. The Chiefs defensively didn't do anything gimmicky today. They brought some heat at times. They they blitzed, which is very much obviously in Steve Spagnuolo's DNA and, and what this team does frequently. They played good run defense, covered well. They weren't perfect. It's very, very hard to be perfect against a very good offense, which the Dolphins still are. Don't let this 14-point effort, that should have been 10, don't let that make you forget how high-flying this unit has been at times this year. But... They were held under 21 by the Bills, the Eagles, and now the Chiefs. There's going to be an entire Miami Dolphins-based conversation. I just did first takes work for them tomorrow. You know, the Dolphins have beaten bad teams, but they lost to the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. When are they going to have another chance to face a playoff team? Not until the end of the year, the Ravens and Bills, the end of their season. That's going to be, and, and my best guess, depending on what happens throughout the rest of the day today and even tonight in Sunday Night Football, Bills and Bengals, barn burner, But the main conversation on the national shows and stuff tomorrow, I do think is going to be Dolphins, for the third time, stub their toe on legitimate contenders. They are 0-3 against legitimate contenders this year. And that's a fair thing for the Dolphins to have to wear. It's, I mean, it's factually true. But that should not be the story of this game. The story of this game should be, if there were any doubters remaining, if there was any hesitance, and man, it's frustrating that they gave up 24 to the Broncos last week. But if there's any doubt whatsoever, this Chiefs defense is exactly what you have seen so far. It is big plays in big moments. Shout out to Trent McDuffie, to Mike Edwards, to Brian Cook in one of the most outrageous defensive plays I've ever seen. It is legitimate in coverage, with Legereus Sneed and a whole bunch of either first- or second-year players in the system. Mostly first- and second-year players, period. But then Mike Edwards, of course, is a vet in his first year in Kansas City, though. Justin Reed, a vet in his second year in Kansas City. For a growing building group there that is 
fully firing on all cylinders. A linebacker group today, man, Willie Gay had some huge plays. I told you on Friday that Willie Gay has a way bigger impact on what I expected to happen in this game than most linebackers being in or out of a game would have would have brought. Another game where Drew Tranquil at the mic, just the defense did not skip a beat, even without Nick Bolton. That is a testament to Spags, a testament to Tranquil, a testament to Gay, a testament to that entire defense. A linebacker group without its typical starting mic, which means that Leo Chanel is playing more, and Jack Cochran was out there at least a few times. Even with those issues, even even with there needing to be a next man up at an important position, and again, Tranquil was overqualified as a backup Mike. He's a backup everything and a starting caliber anything. Really, today, the one thing that was quiet for the Chiefs' defense was the defensive line. And I think a lot of that is ultimately a testament to how quick everything was happening where you saw frequently as pass rushers would get close to Tua, you just start seeing arms go up because you're trying to disrupt the throwing lanes, and that's also helpful. Now, look, I mean, they they did get to Tua, and some of the blitzes got there, and the pass rush was useful. It wasn't dominant. Uh, I saw lots of people noting that the the penalty was maybe the first time they had heard Chris Jones' name all game. That is unfortunate, but fair. I don't remember. I don't know what his actual stat line ended up being, but... Obviously, a technically a sack to end the game, essentially, makes it three sacks on the day for Tua. I don't remember if that's them counting one of the times he slid the line of scrimmage, exactly how all those got figured out. But this is a big play Chiefs defense. It is a consistently excellent Chiefs defense. Again, it's unfortunate that the Lions game in Week 1 went the way that it did. It's unfortunate that they gave up 24 points to the Broncos last week in a game where the offense was completely at fault. And to just sort of give you a dusting of the negativity, 185 yards passing from Patrick Mahomes, not going to do it. 93 yards on the ground total for the entire team, generally not going to do it. It's funny, the Dolphins actually outgained the Chiefs both through the air and on the ground. But on some level, this is what the Chiefs are now. I'm I'm willing to put one more vote of confidence in the offense getting a little bit better at some point this season. I'll tell you exactly why and exactly where and why the Chiefs can survive to that point. But this is not a Chiefs team that we have seen before. And I do think, I mean, I've actually personally, I've been at this spot for a little while now. But if you have any doubts or any hesitations at this point, it's it's time to realize that this is the crew. Isaiah Pacheco today, 16 carries for 66 yards, 4 yards a carry, you'll take it. This defensive performance, including a touchdown of their own, you'll take it. I'm going to come back to that also. But Noah Gray is your leading receiver. Travis Kelsey, I believe, just barely got the yardage he needed to pass Tony Gonzalez in a stat that I thought would have been broken in the first quarter and forgotten by the fourth. Rasheed Rice has two awesome plays and doesn't get targeted outside of those two catches, the touchdown and the first down. Canarius Tony gets to like play wide receiver for a snap. 
I don't have a snap counts yet, but he gets one target. It's on that play. He looks great with the ball in his hands. Never targeted again. You get a great Sky Moore moment. You also get one that appears to be some sort of disjointed Sky Moore thing. But this is not an offensive group that you feel confidence in. At least it's not a group that I feel confidence in. It's not one I think you should feel confidence in. The part that matters is that this defense is so good that you can have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to the Isle of Misfit Toys. And if you can fall into 14 points and have your defense make a huge play, you're going to win most of those games. Is that going to work against the Bills or the Bengals? I don't know. I'm inclined to say it won't. But I thought I was an optimist taking this game to be 23-21. I thought you give the Dolphins three touchdowns, maybe they have to go for it so they're not kicking field goals. The Chiefs fall into a field goal of their own. There you go. I feel pretty good about the spread there. Low-scoring game, the Chiefs win by uh, you know one possession. But if you are not feeling reassured by the Chiefs' offense after that performance, I would not blame you. And I do not think you can chocolate up the jet lag, in part also because the first half is when they looked like themselves. They looked like themselves in the first 15. I think that first drive only was actually, what, seven of those plays? Seven plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown out of the gate. Chiefs' defense immediately brings the ball back, and McCole Hardman loses three yards. And then after that, it's just sort of disjointed, sort of inconsistent. Their fifth offensive drive is the next time good things truly happen. You move the sticks with Rasheed Rice on third down. You go to Kadarius Tony on second and eight. Sky Moore, 23-yard gain on second and 12. Third and four, convert there and get the touchdown with McKinnon on an interesting, fun little alignment. And then right after that, it is the defensive touchdown that I'm still going to talk about more, and then we'll start taking your calls off that. But the the Chiefs' offense didn't not not only didn't look great after that, it, it didn't even look good after those sequences. The first and fifth offensive drives of the game looked like the Chiefs' offense, and maybe the the optimistic side. The truth is, the Chiefs' offense is everything that you saw today. It is Travis Kelsey being the complete focal point of a defense to the extent that everyone else gets some decent matchups that they do not take advantage of, and the offense sputters. You get Mahomes holding onto the football too long, getting strip-sacked again, a thing that is quietly at this point just a thing that's been happening. There are problems in this offense that still belong there. The crazy thing is that the combination of this defense and Patrick Mahomes might make it not really matter. And it might not matter until January when it matters the most. But in the meantime, the reason that I have a little bit of optimism of the offense continuing to glacially shift into place is because the defense and quarterback are so good that they can keep your head above water in the meantime. It's not saying... This was a well-constructed group of pass catchers. It's not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl with this exact group. 
but you saw today why it can work. Because the hottest thing in the NFL this year meets you in Germany, and you hold them to 14 points and take back seven of your own. When you take the ball from Tyreek Hill, it is scooped up by your first year in the system veteran safety, tossed to your second year safety, who somehow houses it. I'm going to talk about that play. We'll take some calls, and then we'll go on to hear from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes from Germany, plus whoever else shows up up there. Dylan, things, I know there's a lot of moving parts. We, we good to eventually uh, go live to Germany as the uh, as folks begin showing up. Thumbs down, thumbs up, thumbs sideways. Finger up, single finger up, which means, I don't know, maybe. We'll bring you what we can as it arrives live or uh, shortly thereafter from Frankfurt. That defensive touchdown was special. A special play for so many reasons. First and foremost, I have talked many, many times on the radio over many, many years that my favorite video game growing up that is now my favorite video game maybe again because I've got it in ways I can play now despite it not being a modern game on a modern console is NFL Street. Specifically for me, NFL Street 2 just the one I played the most, had it on GameCube. I owned multiple physical copies of it. Now I can play it mobily with a, you know, you tweet me if you want to know a bit more about that. But that defensive play is the type of NFL street insane choreography that is such a delight to see a team do in real life. The ball is to Tyreek Hill. The Miami Dolphin, who has been at the center of this entire week, the the star of this game in Germany, Tyreek Hill against his old team. And the only time a Tyreek Hill target turned into a touchdown is when he catches a short pass, Trent McDuffie, who has made a habit of this type of thing, Trent McDuffie arrives just as Tyreek is securing the football. McDuffie pops it out. And it's late in the half. In real time, it seemed like Mike Edwards, after he scooped it, was looking for a way to advance the ball more. Brian Cook trails him. And Mike Edwards hits the Y button. A pitch to a fellow defensive back. This is even different than what Travis Kelsey did offensively and has done offensively a couple of times. This is different. This is a safety to a safety. And Brian Cook just takes it down the sidelines for a play that would have been worth so many style points that you would have had a game-breaker, no problem. And that's what it was. An absolute game-breaker. It's a delight to see this version of the Chiefs' defense. It is frustrating, concerning, still work to be done on the offensive side. But the Chiefs went to Germany... No jet lag, at least to be found out of the gate. I don't know how uh, sleeping better the, would have impacted the second half of the game. I don't think we can talk about jet lag when you come out as hot as the Chiefs did there. They get a huge, huge, huge win in the AFC. Where now I think I saw the Dolphins are the three or maybe four C. Obviously, there's a lot of football to be played today. But the difference in the, in the chase for the one seed in the AFC... This was an enormous game for that. The Dolphins are going to have to take some of those uh, fraudulent accusations, which I think is also unfair. 
I really think the story of this game is the Chiefs' defense is completely, completely legitimate and completely deserving of being feared. Dylan, tell me again real quick. We have not seen anybody show up anywhere near the podium down there. I think we probably take a quick timeout. Everyone who's on the line right now, if you're on hold on the phones, we're going to get to you, I think, as soon as we come back next segment. A few extra moving parts, not just because it's a little bit early as noon approaches here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City, but because this game happened in Germany. So getting the audio back will be one thing. Taking your calls will be another. Let's go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll come back, chat with the phone callers. and uh, Plus, if you want to watch the show, you can also sound off in the comments across the Sports Radio 810. WHB video feeds. I always forget to mention that nowadays, but you can watch on the Sports Radio 810 Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, any of those places, you got live video, you can see my smiling face, see Dylan's smiling face, see Covell's smiling face as we're all here enjoying a Chiefs victory way across the pond and way too close for comfort in the fourth quarter. Chiefs 21, Dolphins 14. More postgame breakdown next. Playmaking, imaginative, game-breaking magic there from the Kansas City Chiefs defense. That's our defensive play of the game brought to you by Slegel Fence. Slegel Fence is Kansas City's preferred fence company, has been serving the KC metro areas for over a decade, offering security and style. Call 816-863-6159 or go to slegelfence.com for your free estimate. The Chiefs' defense this year has been stupendous. At times they've been dominant, at other times they've been merely excellent. But every week they have done their best to keep the Chiefs in the game. They weren't able to do quite enough uh, against the Lions back in Week 1 in a game that really the offense still owned uh, one of those touchdowns that should have had them winning that game anyway. And against the Broncos in the Chiefs' fall, it's with another terrible day from the offense giving the Broncos short fields. Well, today the Chiefs did not let the Dolphins get by them. Uh, they, of course, have the uh, the strip sack to account for. They had short fields. The Chiefs had long fields. The Dolphins frequently had short fields again today as well. Uh, just a number of times the Chiefs seemed like they were backed up in their own end zone and punting it back, giving the, Chief, the Dolphins pretty good field position. Nonetheless, the Chiefs' defense reigns victorious here today, holding the Dolphins to 14 points and uh, scoring seven of their own. Hard for me to go anywhere else than that for the top story of this game, but I am genuinely really interested to hear where everyone else aligns on this. And again, we'll eventually bring you Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and whoever else speaks at the podium from Germany. Uh, but first, we open things up here with Kyle. Kyle, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Josh. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Oh, man. This game... Let me tell you what, from start to fit, well, the start of the game, I was feeling pretty good when we had that 21 nothing lead, but then that second half, I'm, 
that that was not a fun second half for me. Let me tell you, my stress levels were all over the place. Uh, but there's three points I want to make, Josh. Three points. My first point is this, and I'm going to get to it. When there was two minutes left in the game, I believe it was. In, I think there was two minutes left. It might have been two minutes, or it might have been three. I don't know. But it was that third and one play. I don't know why you don't run it up the middle. Yeah. On that one play, I'm talking about the play where Patrick, where it was that pass play where we had a chance to, to, to take time off the clock. The Chiefs' last full offensive possession, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it was about, about two and a half minutes. It wasn't quite to the warning yet, but it was very close. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, I don't know why you don't run the ball up with Pacheco because he was running the ball. He was averaging, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it looked like he was averaging five or six yards a carry. I don't know why the Chiefs, I don't know why Andy Reid drives me nuts, Josh. I mean, he's a great coach, but sometimes he drives me nuts. You don't need to get cute on that. Just run it up the middle. And if they stop it, they stop it. But I would have ran it with Pacheco because he was running the ball good. That's my first point. Second point is the defense, like you said, I – I'm going to tell you this right now, Josh. I don't think it's our offense that's going to get us to the Super Bowl this year. I think it will be our defense if we go. But it's going to be our defense that are going to carry I think that's going to carry this team. That's going to be my, my – but my third point is it looked like the wide receivers played better in the first half. Um, they were getting open. Uh, Kadarius Tony made a, a crucial catch, and Sky Moore made a good catch. Uh, on that last, on their on the last uh, offensive touchdown of the game, uh, on that drive, but it looked like Moore and Tony were getting involved. Um, I'm not saying you know they're going to be stars or anything, sure. but that that was that, those were those were key moments that they needed to make a play, and they made them right there. So I was glad to see that. Um, and then I guess my last point is in the second half. I don't know what happened from the first half to the second half, but it looked like guys were not getting open. I mean, MVS got open on that one. I, I can't remember the time or play, but I do remember there was a play where MVS got wide open, but Mahomes, they just rushed Mahomes, and Mahomes had to throw the ball away. But it, but it looks like, again, we're this is going to be a problem all year. Kelsey is going to get double-teamed, triple-teamed, and he wasn't involved much in the at all in the game. He only had two receptions – or no, three receptions for 12 yards or something like that. I, I just – I don't know, Josh. It just seems like it, it, this is the way this year is going to be. It, it, I guess – with kids, if they're going to take Kelsey out of the game, if they're going to take Kelsey out of the play, then I don't, I don't know who else he throws to besides uh, uh, besides Rice. Yeah, but it looked like from the first half to the second half, nobody was getting open. Sorry to take you, sorry to take that long, but you're all right, man. I I agree with you across the board, and I appreciate you calling as always, Kyle. Um, I'm with you on hey, run the ball in third and one, put Isaiah Pacheco in the game, or at least have him in the game so the defense thinks, oh, maybe there's a chance that that absolute like bowling ball covered in butcher knives will just run at us uh, as opposed to having Jarek McKinnon out there. I, I think the idea on third and one was try to get it to Travis Kelsey. The problem is. Did you expect Travis Kelsey to be uncovered? I, I certainly didn't. So um, I don't. I don't understand why there ends up being such a 
for lack of a better term, like hitch in the motions on on third and short and fourth and short. It, it seems very unnecessary to me, and I'm I'm with you on that. It's very confusing, and I, I don't love it. Beyond that, um, defense is excellent. I agree. This is going to end up being the thing that it's, at least has given the Chiefs time to develop offensively. We'll see if that next step ever actually shows. I don't know if the receivers were better in the first half or not. I, the, the thing that's frustrating and a, and a little bit disorienting is that it felt like the Chiefs receivers were having the start that we wanted to see from them. Like you said, Kyle, that a bunch of these guys were getting involved early on, and then Mahomes just never went back to almost any of them. Again, Kadarius Toney had a great catch and a great play, never targeted again. Rasheed Rice, a touchdown and a first down, never targeted again. Sky Moore, that 23-yarder, a great play, one other catch and uh, two targets in addition to that. So two catches on three targets for Sky Moore. The only guys that got more than three targets in this game were Justin Watson with five, he was two for 15, and Travis Kelsey with four for three for 14. McCole Hardman had three. Most most guys on the roster had two or three targets with a handful of ones thrown in, including for like your most dynamic um, yak guy being Kadarius Tony, and, and maybe next up being Rasheed Rice, who's again targeted twice. So I don't know why that's the mix that it is, but I am also a bit frustrated by it. Uh, next to the phones, we go to Crush. Crush, you're on eight ten. What's up? Hey, uh, man, uh, I want to talk about football. I got a lot of points, bro. But uh, dude, um, what what a different Chiefs day. I mean, <laughs> eight thirty in the morning. They're on the other side of the planet. Um, by the way, you know, hey, these guys didn't sign up for this, man. You know, they're not military. You know, I mean, I think people need to rethink this or whatever. But uh, I thought it was awesome that they did the national anthem right there on the field. And once they started playing the national anthem, I looked over at the buddy and I'm like, dude, they're going to do it at the end. Sure enough, Jeez. <laughs> right? Which brings me to my next point. We come out with energy, like big time. Like you saw it. Like we come out with way more energy than they did. And the talk was that that they showed up early and that we got there Friday and we showed up with energy. And it's clear who was more physical than these two football teams. That that's clear. And uh, uh, McDuffie, the one, the one I'm going to say one name. Hats off, right? McDuffie, mm-hmm. McDuffie. I'm not going to say all pro, you know, but. Uh, pro Bowl, he made, that's a Pro Bowl uh, performance, and, and he's on his way to being an All-Pro. And then since I'm having fun, it's the last thing I'm going to say. You know, it's the, this was a big game. Uh, okay, so this is the last thing I'm going to say. Tyreek Hill said we was going to get that work. <laughs> uh, okay, with his little 65 yards. And, and you know what we did today? You know what he did today? Hmm. He's going he's gonna to have the opportunity to come to somewhere he's familiar in January, and he's going to get this work. <laughs> okay? You guys keep up the good work. Hey, Crush, I appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. That, that This loss today got Tyree Kill uh, one step closer to uh, what he would have preferred, I suppose, which is returning to Arrowhead. How about that? That's a good That's a good call. Uh, next up here we go to Gary. Gary, you're on 810. What's up, man? How you doing? Not much. Just a couple things after watching that game today. I kind of want to piggyback on the other guy, the third and one play. Yeah. You run the ball, even if you don't get it, the clock keeps running or they have to burn another timeout. And, you know, for all the credit Andy gets, there are times you really have to scratch your head and realize that, you know, these coaches aren't geniuses. They're, they're coaches. They're, there's high school coaches that make the same decisions. It's, the only difference is Andy's paycheck's a lot bigger. So, you know, just, let's not make these guys out like they're savants at what they do because we're seeing that Andy is, 
he brought the checkerboard this year because he doesn't have the talent to utilize his skills as a play caller. Defensively, the Chiefs were pretty fortunate today in the fact of a couple big drops in that game. There was one play where Jalen Waddle was running wide open. It would have been a touchdown. So the secondary, they had a few cracks, but they were able to avoid it because of the drops. But, you know, Jarius Sneed needs to invest in a pair of mitts. He's going to be the Jawan Taylor of the defense for a while. It's it's just getting ridiculous every week. If he would have just if if Spagnola would have just played press covers that whole game, those holes wouldn't have been there because they would have been up there pump, just knocking them off the knocking them off the routes, which would have helped a lot. But and then Chris Jones, third down, second year in a row, a stupid penalty. He get just walk back to your huddle. That's all you have to do. That's selfish on his part. That's that was just selfish on the part of Chris Jones doing that. And the next play, they run right between the defensive tackles and pick up a big gainer on that one, So, which turned into a touchdown. At what point do you have to really wonder if Andy needs to start coming down? And there's one thing I want you to find out. There's two questions. One, after the drop by MVS and after the drop by Skymore last week, looking back at the last draft, why don't we ask Andy, would George Pickens have had those balls? That's yeah. what they need to do every week if there's a big drop. With George Pickens, that had that ball because, remember, they traded down so they could get Sky Moore and avoided George Pickens, the, the big play receiver, which is sorely lacking in this offense and who would be very cheap for the next few years. But they didn't do that. But that's the question you start being asked every week if there's a big drop. With George Pickens, that had that just because Andy needs to take his hands off the personnel side. He, he can't handle it. I mean, if you – and somebody brought this up in another thing – these are John Dorsey's guys that are the big playmakers on this football team. If you look at the big playmakers on offense, those are John Dorsey guys. They're not Brett Beach guys. Brett Beach needs to tell Andy, step back, let me do this. But that's the only reason Beach got this job was because he's Andy's buddy. And then another question, there was a mention on the, I listened to the radio broadcast, that there was uh, some shouting going on on the Chiefs sideline after the drop by MBS, I don't know who the players were that were involved, but they said it got pretty heated. If you could find out about that or if there was any truth to that, I'll hang up and listen. Great show. Hey, I appreciate it. Gary from Spartanburg here on the uh, on the A10 Post Game Show with us. Appreciate it, Gary. Um, to your last question, I don't know. I, I didn't see any of that, um, but Dylan had mentioned at one point that uh, there was a mention on the broadcast on the TV that there was that Nagy and Mahomes were were shouting, but I don't know. I don't think it was at each other, to my understanding. I'm not sure. I'm guessing that that may have come up with Andy Reid, or or we'll try to drill in on that as we go. Because uh, I'm not sure about that. Chris Jones' penalty is inexcusable. Not running the ball in third and one is still bizarre to me. I've got you on both of those. Uh, the actual like roster construction and some of the things that the Chiefs continue to value that hasn't worked into place, I don't know if you want to blame Veach for that or Reed for that or whoever, but there there is certainly a fair question to ask about the type of players they draft. And also, I mean, look, if you want to they, – they, they traded back, and I've just I, – I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on what exactly happened with the George Pickens thing, and I – I find it silly from the Chiefs' perspective um, because, yes, this offense could very much use a George Pickens, and instead they got Sky Moore and traded back and also got Darian Kennard with that pick, who's currently on the practice squad, so I don't think that's doing much for me. But it's also, to really beat a dead horse, uh, if you take T. Higgins instead of a running back for no reason, you have him for an extra year, 
than the Bengals do, because it would have been a first-round pick instead of an early second-round pick. And uh, that could have been a receiver that you built around for a while, so you didn't have to get desperate and gadgety with a whole bunch of receivers in a row, which is also trading a third-rounder for Kadarius Toney. A skill addition that I still kind of like, he just got one actual target today. One target, period. There wasn't even like a you know gadgety one for him. So I don't know. I do think there is an interesting conversation to be had about the types of receivers that Chiefs keep investing in and what it is that just makes... T. Higgins and Michael Pittman in 2020, or uh, or Pickens here. Oh, Mike Edwards at the podium. So we're going to go live to Germany here on Sports Radio 810 to hear from Mike Edwards. It's Mike Edwards and Trent McDuffie at the podium together. Yeah, so once I got it, <clears throat> I felt Tyreek on my ankle, so I was about to get tackled, and I was like, nah, we got we to gotta get this home. We got to do something else. So uh, I kind of looked back, and I seen my boy D.C., and I was like, <laughs> I trusted him. You got to have trust for, to do some stuff like that, but uh, I trusted him. I just pitched it back, and he did the rest. Adam, what's, uh, what are the coaches saying on the sideline? I mean, they did a great job. I mean, what do they, like, uh, are they okay with that kind of thing as long as it works? Or? Yeah, we got a touchdown out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one for uh, Trent This is Trip McDuffie, Mike Edwards, Brian Cook, and Rasheed Rice all at the table in Frankfurt. Oh, the turf was pretty good, though, honestly. You know, we had some guys on my first going into it, but I thought everybody was pretty much, you know, sticky with their coverage, sticky with their, you know, the footing. Um, so it wasn't that bad. Honestly, we, last year we played at Arizona Super Bowl. We had uh, some difficulties with that, but I would have to say from my experience, that we got the better than that year. So um, when I'm like, when I point on, I feel like the turf is pretty good, but the grass is pretty good. Yes, sir. We talked a lot about the atmosphere and the coach. I'm just going to 
what was the surprise about the calm down of the stadium? Uh, yeah, I play uh, player last year. I played in uh, Munich last year. It's kind of like the same thing. Uh, I mean, a whole Germany is crazy. The atmosphere is crazy. I told them uh, my my experience last year was really cool. I mean, came out with a win, so uh, that made it better. But uh, the atmosphere was crazy. Uh, felt like, like you said, it felt like a playoff game, and uh, they was electric the whole the whole game from first quarter to the end of the, end of the game. So uh, definitely appreciate the fans, and uh, they definitely showed out. Took a wide step um, to basically let the defense, you know, declare so I could know if it was man or zone defense. And when I realized that it was uh, man defense, uh, I just kind of raced to the sideline knowing that Pat would get the ball to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. I mean, we're ready for any opponent. Uh, we know they're a good team. Uh, like, this game was battling for the first first seed in the AFC. So we know they're a good team. Uh, they'd be a playoff team. We might see them in the playoffs. We might see them before the AFC Championship. We might see them in the AFC Championship. But either way it goes, we'll be ready for them again. We know they'd be, uh, you know, coming even, even harder uh, coming off this loss. So uh, we're ready for whoever. All right. Thank you. All right, there is a combination of Mike Edwards, Brian Cook, Trip McDuffie, and Rasheed Rice live from Frankfurt, Germany, here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's our Locker Room Report, presented by Twin Peaks. The Chiefs Locker Room Report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. Okay, so what we're going to do, in fact, let's go ahead and do this if we can, Dylan. Let's get uh, Sean and Dan here in real quick, and then we'll take a timeout. You guys have both been waiting on hold for a while. Then we need to take a break, and then we'll come back, take a few more calls. Then we'll get to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But, uh, Sean, appreciate you waiting on hold. Don't want to make you sit through another break. So, Sean, tell us what's on your mind here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. What's up, Sean? Hey, appreciate that. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, just want to cover three things real quick. Thank God for the defense. I mean, they were awesome. I love McDuffie. He makes a play every week, I feel like. Kid's a star. Um, the offense, we all beat to death the third and one. But what I – in the third quarter, there's just under five minutes left, and we don't have – and they had just scored, 
we're up by two touchdowns, and we don't run the ball one time yeah. to try and get to the end of the third quarter. Yeah. And that's when Mahomes does the strip sack, get strip sack. Like, we don't have the, the personnel. We all cover that. But our play calling is atrocious. We never run the ball when we should. We have the best center and guard combination in the NFL, and I don't understand why we don't use them more. Um, and last, special teams. If Dave Tobe is this special team genius, why is Hardman still returning punts? Every week he does something ridiculously stupid. This week he returns a punt on the three. What are you doing? I mean, I didn't like him the first go-around. He couldn't learn the playbook. And and then we bring him back, and he kills us on punt returns two weeks in a row. So I'll hang up listen to the rest. But thanks for the show. Thanks for taking my call. Have a good one. Sean, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I (sighs) – they traded for McCole Hardman. And whatever the compensatory pick ends up being, they lost – a compensatory pick, at least formula edition, and their little pick swap, so they could send Washington back to the practice squad and remove the most reliable punt returner they'd had in the last few years. If Hardman had a role on offense, I'd get it. If he had better days on special teams, maybe I'd get it. I don't know what the plan exactly is with McCole Hardman. I'm a little bit confused myself. Uh, and I'm with you again. Again, You're right. The third and one or the other drives and the Chiefs have a chance to just like hand it to Isaiah Pacheco a couple of times. They had, they had an instance or two where he got stuffed on, I think, either first and ten or maybe it was a second and long. I think it was a first and ten at one point that Pacheco got stuffed on. It kind of, you know, works until it doesn't type of deal. And I understand, look, you don't you don't want second and nine if you can avoid it. But the running game had been working pretty well, and you write about the interior, and actually, again, we'll hear from Andy Breed in a little bit. He's already said that he he should have called a run on third and one, and, and maybe that'll make some people feel a tiny bit better. But for me, I just feel like every week there's some instance of like, hey, man, kind of like your Tobe thing, I guess, Sean. It seems like every week there is some instance of, yeah, you obviously should have made a different play call there. Saying after the game that you made a mistake doesn't make me feel as good as not making the mistake would have made me feel. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of that's a little bit of the Andy Reid experience where you, you get 9 out of 10 is Hall of Fame offensive genius. And then on the 10th play, it's like your little brother got the Madden remote. It's really weird. I really it, it's confusing. It's frustrating. And if the offense was still good in spite of that, it wouldn't really be a, a topic of conversation. You know, Andy Reid needs to run the ball more, kind of went away when when Patrick Mahomes was having his most high-flying seasons, when their wide receivers were were completely excellent. Right now, it's something in the middle, and I don't don't fully understand why it's happening that way, and I also don't fully care for it. Uh, Last uh, call for the segment here. Let's go to Dan. Dan, appreciate you waiting on hold, my friend. What's going on? Hey Joshua, how you doing? I got through last week, but every time I, I answered, I every time the ball, bell uh, answered the phone, the phone kept hanging up. I'm glad I got yeah. through this week. It was a great performance by Chiefs. You know, the offense did just enough to win. And uh, how about Trent Duffy strict second? I mean, strips fumbling uh, Tyree Kill, and then Brian Cook uh, right behind him said, "Hey, Trent, run up behind you, just give it to Cook." And he was all, all the way gone through the end zone. And Dave uh, Tobes got to just talk to Hardman, just not stop feeling pumped and just take the ball at the twenty yard line. That's all. 
need to work on is just special teams. And offense will uh, get there, Joshua. Just needs uh, separation still a little bit iffy. But, you know, I like the first drive. Pretty good, you know. Then the second and third drive is kind of, you know, off and on. But, you know, it'll come together. Andy's going to have to run the ball more. Take care of yourself, Joshua. Let's take care of the Eagles. Dan, I appreciate you. Enjoy the bye week. And uh, then, yes, it'll be Eagles time, which will be a lot of fun as well. Um, the other thing that I don't know if we're going to – we can talk to Matt Derrick about this. I think he tweeted about it after the game. I don't know – I don't know what Dave Tobe wants McCall Hardman to do there, which I know sounds crazy because it seems pretty obvious. But last week, Dave Tobe said, oh, that whole, like, you know, put your heels on the tin and let it go over your head is sort of outdated thinking because punters are so good now that you can't have a ball land on the five and bounce back or whatever, die on the three. But Andy Reid said, I think I was on Monday last week, where he was like, yeah, you know, you just kind of want to put your heels on the tin and let the ball go over your head. And then on Thursday, Dave Tobe said that was sort of an outdated line of thinking. So I don't know if Andy Reid and Dave Tobe are on the same page. I don't know if Dave Tobe and McCole Hardman are on the same page. I don't know... It certainly isn't as disastrous as the Sky Moore punt return experience was, obviously. Like, that was a nightmare. That was a, a, an absolute horror movie. I just don't know who wants what right now in the Chiefs special teams, which is not what you want to be saying at the halfway point of your season when you have a future Hall of Fame head coach and one of the most, like, decorated longtime special teams coordinators in the sport. I don't. I don't think you want all three of those guys to be on different pages in terms of who's returning what. Not ideal at all. What is ideal, though, is that we're having a good time here, and it's only 12.30 on a uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. The noon games have kicked off. We'll have uh, more action for you over on ESPN Kansas City with the football. Football this late afternoon here on 810 is sporting. We'll get another crack at uh, St. Louis City and get a chance to send them packing in two. So a lot of football and football to be played. A lot more of the American football that was played in Germany on a soccer pitch. It's a funny sport and a funny way of doing things. A lot more to talk about from Chiefs Dolphins. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish taking calls, hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, chat with Matt Derrick, and keep breaking down the Chiefs' victory 21-14, to as unconventional as you'd expect for a game played in Frankfurt, Germany. In a day that didn't have a ton of offensive magic, that is our Magic Mahomes moment of the game brought to you by Champion Heating and Cooling. Keep your family warm this winter with their Champion Premium Furnace. Find your local Champion dealer at championhomecomfort.com. And don't forget to ask about their free 10-year parts and labor warranty. Always leading, never compromising, championhomecomfort.com. That play was a little bit of play design, a little bit of Mahomes' execution, a little bit of Travis Kelsey taking a lot of attention, and Jarek McKinnon going the other way. Some of the Chiefs' play-calling stuff still works. It just seems like it's getting harder and harder to come by. But they did just enough offensively today with a lot of help from the defense, including those spectacular seven points of their own. And the Chiefs are victorious. They enter their bye week and a long flight back from Germany victorious. Things are fine, but they're not perfect, even by sort of like NFL, nobody's ever perfect standards. The Chiefs still have some questions. 
I am very, very glad that they're going into their bye week at the top spot in the AFC with a chance to self-scout and adjust and change some things offensively while still being in that elevated spot where Andy Reid's teams typically get better as the year goes on. They can still get a lot better, but they're going to get a lot better being 7-2 and two instead of being 6-3. and three. They obviously should be 8-1 and one because that Broncos game was incredibly frustrating. It's also frustrating to think that they're a point away and a drop pick six that should have had them starting one or no to start this season, and maybe they're a one-loss team with the Broncos knocking off an undefeated Chiefs team, or just a couple of games you'd like to have back. But that's how the NFL works. You know, crazy stuff happens, and teams lose games they shouldn't. That's why it's always kind of that moving target for me of, hey, credit to this this victory. The win keeps your head above water, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I think the Chiefs know that, and we'll hear from Andy Reid in just a minute as well. But I want to get through all the calls that are currently on the line. So if you're on the whole uh, online right now, I will try to keep it relatively quick, keep it moving, get everybody in this segment, and then we'll come back and hear from Andy Reid, and then shortly thereafter, Patrick Mahomes. Waiting the longest so far is JC. JC, appreciate you waiting, sir. What's going on? Hey, I got one comment um, and then one question. Cool. Uh, well, let me go with the question first. What did Gary's call sound like when he calls in on a uh, Bears line, do you think? He's from Illinois, right? Yeah, uh, I I don't know Gary. We've I've talked to Gary about this a little bit. He really is an enigma to me. And occasionally we get like the really positive Gary call that totally dead serious, not sarcastic, totally changes my day. When I when I know we get a positive Gary day, it really does lift my spirits. Today I expected a mixed bag. We got a mixed bag. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing to me his tenacity uh, uh, for <laughs> continually pointing out the negative. Um, anyway, uh, you have to respect it. But, I but do. Still, I really do. It kind of kind of dumbfounds me. Um, it, it, this, my my point is, uh, I believe that this was the Brett Beach validation game mm. because what this game showed was that no receiver in the NFL is worth what half of one of the top ten quarterbacks that they can be taken away. It doesn't. It's not worth the money. Brett Beach just showed his brilliance by trading Tyreek Hill, and the guys that he got and what they did on defense are showing why the Chiefs can win in a different way now. That's all I got. JC, I really like that. Dylan, I'm, you go and bring, bring your take in, Dylan. I think I might end up siding with JC on this. I kind of like this take, but I'm just going to say what you said. I'm going to say what you said, Dylan. I'm going to put you on blast. This is a respectful, this is a, this is a respectful place where JC is respecting Gary's hustle. I'm respecting JC's hustle. But you said in my headphones there, let's relax. Can I confirm that he said it's okay that we traded away Tyreek Hill because of what we have because of the game that Tyreek just had? The More one or less, game? yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, sure. Yes. That this, right. that this is as a proof of concept that this is a game where no number one wide receiver is worth the the financial and draft capital value that the Chiefs got in return and that, that Veach gets to take a little victory lap Okay, on now this. hearing that, I will absolutely agree with that. So, What did you want to relax on? I want to hair just... trigger on the relax. On, but on which on which to which aspect which what, what got you so hot and bothered? Uh, just kind of lumping the entire Tyreek season into one game, basically saying that it's not yeah, worth it to have a number sure. one wide receiver when you see all the quarterbacks in the league seeming to take a massive leap up when we do have a number one receiver, let alone two on the offense, and we've seen our entire season, including the second half, that we didn't score. I'm I think no that's that's also fair. I'm taking that to be. 
that this is a, and it's funny because even as Gary said earlier, I love how meta this show gets at times like this. It really makes me happy. It's why it's legitimately, it's why I take like notes of what every caller says so I can kind of track who said what and, and the flow of it all. And sometimes it comes up like this. I just, I think it's fun. Get a few more characters and God knows you hear me enough. Um, I think it's a, I think it is fair to say that Brett Veach has not drafted offensive playmakers at the clip that he should have to this point. And I think it's fair to say Brett Veach should get to kick his feet up and get one of the reclining seats on the way back from Germany today because what they got in return for Tyreek Hill outplayed Tyreek Hill today. That that little scale, I, I believe that. I'm, I'm with JC Absolutely on that one. fair point, and I will be with JC on that as well. And it's funny because, and you can't make it Karloftis and McDuffie, and it's it's all somebody. I think it might have been uh, might have been my guy Zach Eisen on Twitter who did like the full layout of the the final give and take of the Hill trade with the Chiefs got in return. They also gave up picks to move up in other circumstances, so it was Tyreek plus a bunch of picks for the return there. It's a good again. I think that was from Zach. Um, it's a really cool exercise to see it laid out that way. If Sky Moore was a reliable number three receiver, I think you'd be able to say the Chiefs won the trade with like pretty solid pretty solid agreement. Yes. If he was a above average number two receiver, Chiefs won the trade. Right now, I think about it again. I, I do. It's a trade where absolutely both sides are happy with it. Neither side would hit the undo button, which is rare in the NFL, but I think that's absolutely the case. Tyreek has helped reform that Dolphins team and the trade and the money that they freed up has reformed the Chiefs defense. The Dolphins have a top five offense. The Chiefs have a top five defense, and I do think it's harder if you have if you have Patrick Mahomes. In theory, it's harder to build a top five defense than it is to find another top ten receiver. Not that Tyreek is like barely on the bubble, but I'm just kind of expanding it a little bit. Because if you give Patrick Mahomes a top ten, top fifteen receiver, theoretically he elevates that guy. He elevates the guys around him. But also. Aaron Rodgers was at his best with Devontae Adams, right? I mean, there's Tom Brady with Randy Moss. And if Sky Moore was Julian Edelman, and this was one of those, if he was Wes Welker, then maybe your math starts to even out some. But I, I think it's a, an interesting way of looking at it from from JC's angle of, again, I think representing it fairly, of saying no receiver is worth everything that the Chiefs got in return by trading Tyreek Hill away today. And he had a fine day, but not a game-breaking one. While Trent McDuffie, uh, this is, I'm going to say something like way over my skis and then just acknowledge it. Trent McDuffie might have been the best football player on the field today. He, he had a touchdown go over his head, and so like that, that, that takes just a little bit of air out of my sails. But Trent McDuffie is on that track. He is a CB1, like a 1-1. One, one. He, he is everything you could ask from that position. And he and Snead both had their hands full with a great duo and, and then even some depth behind them today. So I think this can be validating for that trade. And also, I would like the Chiefs to give Patrick Mahomes a real number one wide receiver. And if that's Rasheed Rice late this season, next year, if God, I got to take the rest of these calls. We kind of break again. I'm sorry. This, the, the Chiefs offense gets, I, I just, I'm still fired up about it. If the Chiefs offense coming out of this bye, says, all right, we're changing some things, some personnel groupings, some hierarchies. Our number one wide receiver is Rasheed Rice. We're going to treat him that way. Canarius Tony is playing wide receiver again. We're going to treat him that way. And then MVS or Justin Watson can be on the field. Somebody's got to play outside. 
I wonder if that's where they've weathered the storm with Justin Ross a little bit also, to be honest, just because the outside receivers are con- just some slow burners in MVS and Watson. I want this team to have a number one outside receiver for, for Patrick Mahomes for the majority of his career. Right now, they got a lot of guys who are at their best in the slot, which also includes Travis Kelsey. So they've got a little bit of a log jam, and they've been playing a lot of receivers, a lot of snaps, scattered around. I wonder if they come out of the bye week with a more consistent receiver rotation for the Eagles. If, if, if essentially tryouts are over. I think that might happen. I would love to see it. I don't know who Andy Reid will favor, though. So that, that does tamp down my expectations a bit. Here's my only point on that was I do agree with JC on the fact that a receiver is not worth all that, but also we shouldn't discredit the importance of Tyreek Hill to their offense and including Absolutely. our offense just because Brett Veach is a great defensive builder through the draft picks we got. Good, I think that's a good take also. Tyreek is probably worth all that for Miami still, but yeah. not for the Chiefs not for the specifically. Chiefs, not that much, but it seems like, a, again, we – you say the Hardman end-arounds don't work, they would probably work with 10 out there. Right. Good point. A good point. And, man, the Chiefs have been terrible running the ball with receivers this year. Also, just a little offensive stat for you that uh, our guy Natty Lane at KCSN tweeted out. The Chiefs had 46 net yards of offense in the second half. 46 net yards of offense in the second half. Shout out to the Kansas City Chief fence. Because they needed that. And again, Tyreek Hill would help with the offense. But also, also here's a thought experiment. I'm not going to spend all the time on it. If they have Tyreek Hill and not those pieces, this game is like but that's, uh, that's 34-20 Dolphins or something, maybe? That's the either end of the argument you can right. land on with JC's point. Really. It's, and it's, it's interesting. It, it totally changes how you defend. It's why Travis Kelsey demands all the uh, gravity now. It's it's a fun thought experiment and a good a good question, a good take there, by a good good prompt by, by JC. Uh, next up, we go to Rodney. Rodney, you're on Sports Radio 810. How you feeling, Rodney? I'm feeling, feeling. Because <laughs> I'm listening to everyone speak, and mm-hmm. my thing about it is, is that I am been saying it since week four, and I'm going to say it even louder with some more emphasis. Maybe Andy Reid can hear me. I'm blaming him because he is allowing Maggie to bring this offense down to the level of the Chicago Bears when he was the head coach there. Only because he said in his press conference, he's still trying to figure out these wide receivers. But while these wide receivers are constantly working with Patrick, with Patrick Mahomes on their skill level, how does your quarterback know more about your wide receiver than your coaches? That is a problem. Even the show in the mid-pass, if anybody will actually watch the game, watch how these guys move. And people blame um, Sky Moore for the little mishap when Mahomes threw the ball out quickly to him. I'm not blaming Sky Moore for that. Mahomes sit there and saw how far back the deep uh, the, uh, the cornerback was. He tried to get him the ball quickly. Sky Moore was running the play. And so to go back to the uh, uh, caller sit there and say that they, they heard on the radio broadcast about Patrick Mahomes having a shouting match. I, I watched the game on NFL Plus on my phone. Yep. They are down on Lowski mentioned it as well. Patrick Mahomes and Matt Nagy were going at it, going at each other. And Andy Reid turned around, walked to Patrick Mahomes, and said, man, you have to calm down. They even had the reporter down there on the field that said, Patrick, Andy Reid told Patrick Mahomes he had to calm down. I think Patrick Mahomes was getting upset with the play calling. 
yeah. and getting frustrated with the simple fact, why am I, Why are you calling plays for my wide receivers to clear out? That third and one, he was clearly frustrated on it. He was looking. He looked straight at Travis Kelsey. You got to see everybody else cleared out. And you got three guys on Travis Kelsey. That was, he knew that was the wrong call. He sit there and simply see that we are getting bad coaching. He respects mom. Look at the defense. I remember we could go back four years. For the last four years, everybody was calling for the job with Steve Spagnola. Yep. But when he got his defensive, uh, he got his defensive coaching staff, who are just like Eric Bieniemy, cutthroat, accountability to his finest. Dave Merritt reminding them losing him to be a defensive coordinator, but they are cutthroat for a reason. Even Joe Cullen is cutthroat for a reason. And look how that defense is. When you look on his offense, you have a rookie wide receiver coach. You have a quarterback coach who just rather be somebody's best friend, an offensive coordinator who still do not understand, hey, man, this is not back in Alex Smith days. Why are you, you hindering Rasheed Rice? I'm watching Rasheed Rice burn a beat Jalen Ramsey. Are you kidding me? But that was not the play call. The play call for these guys, you keep calling for Travis Kelsey and the you know, big video. It's the defensive coordinator sending a boost for God's sake. They know what you're going to do. It's not nothing to do with They have nothing to do with the players on the field. It has to do with one guy, and that's Andy Reid. He's allowing Matt Nagy to hinder this offense. I'm going to continue blaming him because he couldn't do that with Eric Bianca because he held everybody in terms. Even the offensive line and the offensive line coaches, everyone knew Eric Bianca do not play. Now is a big difference. So I'm going to go off the line and listen to you. Roddy, I appreciate it, man. I, and it, here's the thing. it I'm super glad that you made the Spags point. And when the offense struggled under Eric Bieniemy, we talked about Eric Bieniemy. I think the Matt Nagy heat is coming. I also think that having first-year positional coaches at the positions of quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, I think all of them are first-time position coaches. They're all definitely in their first year at that position at the NFL level. Some of them have been in the the, the league or, or with the Chiefs for a while, but there's a lot of turnover. And we talk about the coaching the, the coaching staff when it's a defensive coordinator or when it was Eric Bieniemy, and. The one, the one specific thing, even like another couple layers deep there, Rodney, about the accountability, about the Mahomes and Nagy, whatever the, I haven't gotten to see a good clip of them, whatever their banter was on the sideline, if it was frustrated at each other, frustrated about something else, whatever, I, I trust your eyes, I just personally have not seen it again. We know what an Eric Bieniemy sideline, like, finger in the chest kind of moment looks like, and I don't. I don't like the idea that like every football coach needs to be that guy because I don't think that's correct. But I also don't know if every coach can be soft-spoken, super level-headed, turned up to a 4 out of 10 on the volume knob. Because that's what Andy Reid is. And, and people, former players talk all the time. Like Andy Reid's the same guy every day no matter what. And then that is an, an advantage to Andy Reid being Andy Reid. But, again, to your point, Rodney, I think Spag seems pretty level-headed. But you got a bunch of positional coaches that are really, that can rev on their guys. If it's a defensive line coach and Joe Cullen, who everyone has total respect in, who's done it at a high level, who's been a defensive coordinator, who's done a lot of football, a lot of different places. 
if it is Dave Merritt or the really that entire coaching staff has some vibrato. And offensively, I, I wonder if I wonder if Reed and Nagy are a little redundant in terms of tone and approach. And the rest of those guys are probably too new to yell at, you know, to yell at Donovan Smith on the sideline. And I don't think I've ever seen Andy Heck, like, scream. I mean, maybe in training camp and stuff, I don't know. But I think there's something there about the the temperature of the offense just sort of boiling a little cold. And if Mahomes needs to be the grumpy old man that starts, like, being the one who does that, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe that's something that changes out of the bye week. But I think it's a fair conversation to be having about the temperament of of this offense and, and going from the coaching side. All right, next up we go to G. G, you're on 810. What's up, G? How you doing? Hey, what up, Josh? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's nice to start the morning with a win. Always, always. Hey, quick quick take. Hey, Spags gets the game ball. Yeah. But how fortunate are we that our offense can wait like our defense did last year? Mm. Two things. Scripted plays were money. Adjustments were struggling with it. Mm. But they'll figure it out. But Rice was awesome in the first quarter, and all of a sudden he was invisible. Would like to see that step up a little bit more. Other than that, winning on the learning curve can't be any better than that. Just like our defense did last year, we're reciprocating. That's what makes championship teams who they are. Appreciate you. Gee, I really appreciate that. Sorry I didn't really say anything there. I was writing stuff down because winning on the learning curve is a great, 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 great line. Winning on the learning curve, again, the, the kind of inverse of different sides of the ball from last year. The offense keeps your head above water while your defense is winning on the learning curve. Flipping that around for the offense this year is a really good little way of packaging that. I, I like it very, very much. Um, and it, it also a smart note, I think, the opening script was fantastic. Is there an adjustment problem in real time? And if so, again, where does that come from the coaching's perspective? That's a good question. I would love to have the answer. We won't hear from Chiefs coordinators this week. Uh, as they go into the bye week, they'll be dark this week. But that will be a very interesting thing to keep an eye on. Last call for now here. We go to Tom. Tom, you're on 810. What's up? How you doing? Hey, thanks. I'd like to give you a quick, some quick one-liners, about four or five. Deal. I agree with Rodney uh, enemy versus Nagy. Uh, Brett Veach is great, but I tried calling uh, the Chiefs office and, and begging him to get DeAndre Hopkins, a mm-hmm. uh, probable uh, future Hall of Famer, would have really helped the receiving core. Three, uh, Andy has been three-point Andy, like last week, kicking a field goal uh, fourth and two or fourth and three on the four-yard line, and we've had third and two. Uh, and they always pass, include here third and one. That was a terrible call. And one more, get Chris Jones some psychiatric help or trade him. He lost the Indy Colt uh, game last year for us, and here uh, somebody must have said something nasty to him, and he has to push him after we've stopped them, and they're going to try a 45-yard field goal. That was horrible. So there's a lot of uh, things that they need to change on this uh, week long, and I agree with a lot of these things, but uh, we missed a great chance in not getting Hopkins. 
Thanks. Hey, Tom, I appreciate it. Look, I mean, Hopkins was a storyline in the preseason, offseason. You could just sign him instead of having to trade for him. They let that go. Uh, I'm sure they called the Titans. I don't know what the cost would have been, but I certainly understand. Yeah, this, this offense would look a lot better with a future Hall of Fame receiver, like you said. It's an inexcusable penalty by Chris Jones. I'm very interested to see the, like, zoomed-out shot of it. I'm very interested to hear from Chris Jones if he says what happened leading up to that. Uh, but, yeah, you you simply cannot have that in a huge moment. A veteran team leader has to know better. There's nothing else I can say there because there, there's really no excuse for it unless we end up finding out that it was somehow horribly maimed by the referees. But you can't put your team, yourself, in that spot for anything less than, you know, a dude trying to give you a cup check and then you return the, 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 the replays can maybe vindicate you a little bit. You, you can't even be the second guy to push someone. I mean, that's just all very well known in the NFL and sports altogether. It's, it's inexcusable. I'm, I, I can't, can't talk around that one, but I can talk around what Andy Reid said post game. We will take a timeout here on the sports radio, 810 WHB post game show here on sports radio, 810 WHB Kansas city, Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels and Covell Hudson bringing you the action here today after the chiefs brought the action 21-14. to 14. It was a weird game on the road in Germany. A home road game. It was in Frankfurt. It wasn't at Arrowhead. But the result didn't change with that. A touchdown victory and another excellent day from the defense. Another day of wondering what went wrong offensively. We'll hear from Andy Reid on the other side of the break here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. single soul in this stadium is sitting. Fourth and ten. Let's try it again. 63 ticks to go. To a fumble's it. And that's the way the game ends. On a wayward snap. Go figure. Victory was sweet for the Kansas City Chiefs on the road in Frankfurt, Germany. That's our sweet play of the game, brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Apple Pie Sundays are back at Andy's Frozen Custard. It's a whole slice of Andy's baked fresh daily apple pie, blended with their fresh frozen custard, a slice of heaven in every spoonful. I don't know if it was a slice of heaven for the Chiefs' offense, but it certainly should be defensively. As I said before, I tweeted during the game, I've said it since, the story of this game nationally on all of the shows tomorrow will probably be, are the Dolphins frauds? Because they've lost to the real Super Bowl contenders that they've played this year. But the real story should be, how good is the Chiefs' defense? And the answer is extremely good. We'll pivot over, though, to hear from the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs as Andy Reid spoke from not even really the podium, just sort of a big table there in Germany. And that's uh, brought to you by Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia. Get a worry-free money-back guarantee on new vehicles when you buy from Brogdon. Visit BrogdonAutomotive.com. The head coach press conference also brought to you by Westlake Commercial, a division of Westlake Ace Hardware. They're your local business-to-business supply partner. The commercial team, dedicated business-to-business website, Credit terms and convenient store locations make it easy. Visit your local Westlake Ace Hardware store or westlakehardware.com slash commercial today. Appreciate Westlake Hardware and Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia for being a part of the show. Appreciate Andy Reid for uh, taking the questions there in Frankfurt. We start off with the opening statement and no injuries to report from Andy Reid. Two good things. All right. Um, everybody hear me okay? 
We good? So, uh, no injuries to the report, which is a good thing. Uh, two good football teams playing each other. It was, it was great to be able to do that here in Frankfurt. And, um, and I just thought both teams put it all out there uh, uh, during that game. Uh, the crowd was unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm going to say we won in the crowd. Uh, it was a, there was a lot of red there. Um, the hospitality of the German people has been great the last few days here. Um, compliments to our staff uh, um, for doing the forward work on this and uh, working with um, the people here in Germany to put on a smooth event for, for the coaches and the players. Um, defensively, uh, what a first half and what a second half. The fourth quarter was really something. Uh, which uh, made it very exciting. Uh, the McDuffie strip uh, of Tyreek um, punching the ball out. Edwards picking it up. Cook scoring. He not only the Cook, Cook scores. Uh, doesn't get any better than that. Sneed's ability um, to match up uh, most of the day on, um, on Tyreek uh, was big. Well, Tyreek's a heck of a football player. I mean, he made a couple of real nice plays in there, too. So. Um, offensively, uh, we, we did some great things, and then uh, we sputtered at times. Um, uh, but I, I would tell you uh, that first drive was pretty beauty, uh, and then again the, the next touchdown was also uh, a good job of getting ourselves upfield and, and scoring on that. So, um, uh, and then again our offensive line, I thought did a very nice job in the run game. Uh, I thought that was a real positive for us uh, during during the game, which obviously uses a lot of time in doing so. Pacheco, I thought, ran very hard, uh, good eyes on things, uh, picking the holes properly, did a good job there. And then special teams, we, we made enough plays there uh, that were positive. We are trying to change the field position around a little bit at the end. Uh, again, we've got to uh, watch ourselves on these catches inside the five. So, um, but anyways, that, that's uh, uh, the time that's yours. A little, a little bobble at the end for Andy Reid on the time is yours too. Like it's a, it's a foreign experience, literally, I suppose. But uh, yeah, we also, again, as has been the case a few times, certainly this time, hanging with us on the audio side, it's not the ideal quality. But if they want an ideal uh, audio quality, they could have played the game in Arrowhead or had microphones that works. So you know, it's we're, we're working with what we got and uh, appreciate the good people at KSHB Forty One, uh, our own Mick Schaefer over there, uh, bringing some of that audio quality back to us. What we can get, appreciate them very much for helping out there. Next up from Andy Reid, a few questions in a row. Uh, the the magnitude of the win. He does get asked about throwing the ball on third down. Uh, but first, Trent McDuffie, the Tyreek Hill fumble, and what happened on that play? Yeah, he, he came up and smacked him, first of all. I mean, it was a pretty aggressive hit. Uh, and it was a catch and then an immediate hit. And then he just went right for the ball, punching it down, which is, which is tough to do as you – Lay a lick on him like that, like he did. So, um, but he, he's a he's a heck of a football player. Um, the uh, what kind of decision to throw the ball on third down, your last third down? Yeah, the last month? Uh, that would that, be fine if we ran it. You would have been asking why we didn't throw it. So, uh, but I'm gonna tell you, yeah, uh, I tell you, um, I, I probably should have put put it in the 
hands of the big old line. I, I own one of them. Andy, it was, a, it was a unique week for you, but also an important week. I was wondering if you could just expound on just kind of big picture how, how big of a win this was. Yeah, well, it was big. We, we had this bye week coming up, and there's nothing worse than going into a bye week with, with, with a loss, first of all, and then a 10-hour or 8-hour plane ride on top of that, and that's a, that doesn't lead to a good feeling. Um, but we're... Listen, we're we're six and two sitting there with with the Dolphins coming into this, and, and knowing that they're one of the better teams in the AFC, it, it's uh, and so I, I love the energy where our guys rebounded from that last game against Denver. All those things are so important uh, to making up a, a, a good football team. Our guys did that now, last week. We, we were off and. Uh, this one here, they, they weren't going to, they weren't going there. And you could just feel it. I think probably all you felt it in here from the first drive on. So, um, you know, I think you look back on it, I think this, uh, well, it was a big week. And then the way things worked over here, I think was very smooth. This can be, when you start going across the pond, as I said, right? So you go across the pond, I mean, many things can happen. Uh, and things have to hit right. I, I'm telling you, the German people were phenomenal in setting setting things up for us, as, as was our staff. Some interesting stuff there from Andy Reid, also kind of saying, you know, last week they were off, and it was like they weren't going to let that happen this week. I mean, the offense was off again today. That's I don't know what to do with that, but um, obviously it's a huge game, and it's kind of fun to hear him acknowledge the things that we all assume, like going into a bye on a loss against a contender with an eight-hour flight home Sounds like it would be miserable, and Andy Reid's like, "Yeah, there's nothing worse than that in in football than that exact feeling." So huge to get that win, um, even as there's still some growth to to be had uh, from all angles here. Also from Andy Reid, starting off this next answer, uh, first asked about this being a defensive game, and if he would or wouldn't have guessed that this is how it could have gone with a, a game between two teams with with pretty exciting offenses combining for 35 points. Well, I'm not going to slide our defense, so I'm going to say, I, but I wouldn't have guessed that. I, there were two good, you know, typically two good offenses, um, that being the number one offense, the Dolphins, in the National Football League right now. So for the things that our defense did right there was, uh, that was a tremendous achievement. You know, and obviously we got to keep it going. Uh, you're, you're just as good as that next game that you're playing, but that was a heck of an achievement. Uh, uh, Steve Spagnuolo did a great job with scheming it, um, and the players executed very well. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was saying there at the beginning that um, uh, the Chiefs fans won that one. I mean, it was a we, we could feel them. It was loud, whether they were from Germany or whether they were from Kansas City or um, the UK. It was a, uh, um, you know, it, it was something. It was it was loud, aggressive, um, and we can feel that as players and coaches. We feel that and we appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and and listen, I, I didn't give them the ball enough. And uh, uh, on top of that, but um, th- this guy's a great player. I mean, he, he gets better and better. Uh, and they, you know, they were aware of him and allowed other guys to make some plays uh, with some of the schemes they were using. And 
But what, what a great player um, and a good kid, you know, on top of that. Great, great leader. Interesting to say you didn't get the ball to Travis Kelsey enough. It'll make the, the next question here more interesting as well. Uh, Andy Reid asked if that was sort of the game plan to go to Kelsey more or to let him demand the attention that he did. Well, what exactly went into the game plan regarding Kelsey's role today? So, uh, you know, it wasn't planned that way. We, we always try to get him involved, and, and we try to do it quickly. Um, <clears throat> they, they did a nice job of pulling a combination coverage uh, look where there wasn't a lot of space there. Uh, for him uh, breaking in or out. Um, but he, you're right, though, in that he did uh, a lot of the support things very well. And, you know, he always has a great attitude about it. He just, the first thing he said to me, I said, Todd, I, try, I need to get you the ball a little bit more. And he goes, hey, the offensive line played great. You know, we run the ball well. So um, I, I appreciate that attitude. And, and we enjoyed Italy, too, by the way, when my wife and I went there. It was a great, great trip. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, we got to take care of the penalties. I mean, that that's the obvious, uh, uh, you know, and uh, and we'll get that we'll get that worked out as we go here. I mean, but that's something we have to take care of. Uh, the guys that thought caught the ball well, Quez would probably want to have the one back that he had, but yeah, that guy was you know tugging and pulling and everything on top of that. But he he normally makes those right there. But um, so listen, I. Uh, we have we came out of this with things we can work on to get better, and we'll do that. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm guessing maybe there, it was an Italian reporter who uh, who un- accidentally prompted Andy Reid to note that he he enjoyed his uh, trip to Italy with his wife. I don't know. That's that's just a guess. I didn't hear the initial question there. Uh, and yeah, still penalties today, but the Chiefs get away with the victory. Last one here from Andy Reid asked about the differences from the international game the Chiefs played in Mexico uh, and the game they played in Germany in terms of a couple of games in the international program, uh, a game overseas with a much longer plane ride. I don't know how long it takes to get to. I think it was in Mexico City uh, when they when they played down there, but uh, two uh, two international markets. We, we might have to come back and hear from that one uh, a little bit later. Then that's no no worries. Uh, but he was asked about that as well to kind of contrast those a bit. And we'll we'll be able to hear from that later on if uh, if it's not if it's not right there. That's, don't worry about it, Dylan. That's okay. Dylan's doing some little uh, excavation work. And why don't we do this? We'll take a timeout, and if we can find it, we find it. If we don't. We don't, but if we can find that audio, we'll bring you that next. And then we will hear from Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. That's the plan for what's up next here in the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. Dolphins choose to let the Chiefs start on offense in seven plays later. They've got six. This is how you beat pressure. Watch the pressure comes. You replace it with the perimeter screen to Rasheed Rice, and then watch Donovan Smith got out in space. He rose outside to inside, picks off the safety. Javon Holland walk-in physical touchdown by Rice. 
He didn't get a lot of work today, but when he touched the ball, it was excellent. That Rasheed Rice touchdown is our play of the game, brought to you by Central Bank of the Midwest. At Central Bank of the Midwest, every customer is a first-round draft pick. Central Bank of the Midwest, strong roots, endless possibilities, member FDIC. Some consistency at wide receiver would certainly help the Chiefs. We'll continue to see if that changes with time. The Chiefs have a bye week to do some self-scouting and maybe a little bit of a rotation tightening for the Chiefs receivers. Uh, certainly would like to see the ball in the hands of Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony a little more. Not, and no pun intended, maybe a little less of Sky Moore, a little less of MVS. We'll see. Justin Watson was out there playing today. Not sure what the snap counts were. But as the offense continues to be sort of this evolving, moving target, I feel the most optimistic about Rasheed Rice overall. And I cannot quit Kadarius Tony. That one play he had today uh, may explain why. I would love to see him have more chances at that. I don't know if he has lived down week one. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. But still certainly some things for the Chiefs offense to work on. But the defense was absolutely stupendous. Um, mention one last thing here from Andy Reid, his last question before we get to Patrick Mahomes' press conference. But want to bring you everything as we can. So Andy Reid was asked at the end of his presser uh, the difference from Mexico and Germany in those overseas environments. Yeah, no, listen, I, I always joke our media, we go play in the CVS parking lot, we don't care. So we'll play anywhere um, uh, at any time. Um, but I will tell you, all our we you, we also went to London and and, um, and Mexico, London, and here have been phenomenal trips. And I think it's great for the National Football League. Um, uh, you see what it's done for basketball. You see what it's done for baseball. And uh, there's no reason it, it can't do that uh, for football. We've had actually a few uh, German players in our in the NFL. And um, you know Sebastian. Anyway, you know the guys. So they're they, they've. Uh, uh, they've been uh, real contributors to, to teams, and we appreciate the enthusiasm over here. Yeah. I, I We had a call earlier today, you know, that players didn't necessarily sign up for this. I think increasingly they do sign up for this, that this is just sort of a part of the mix. Uh, as the game went to, as the season went to 17 games, that was sort of part of the idea, is that you're going to have those odd home games for, for half the league, and that those are going to mostly get shipped out elsewhere. It's, it's another weird wrinkle. It changes the week. I mean, no one should care about this, but like it changes the media schedule a little bit. Our post-game audio quality tonight was worse than it would have been if this game would have been at Arrowhead. Like There are little things like that. The jet lag conversation, the, the schedule for actually traveling over there, and frankly, it, to me, I think both teams don't have anything to say about, again, jet lag or having to take a longer field trip than usual. You go cross-country, it's a long plane ride. You go Kansas City to Germany, it's a very long plane ride. But I, and maybe also I'm just, again, like very selfishly, not in a way that anyone else should necessarily care about. 8.30 kick means we're going to do this post-game show until, uh, you know, about the, the start of the witching hour or so. And uh, then a great NFL slate the rest of the way. And again, the sporting game here tonight, this afternoon, is going to be incredible. Can't wait for that. But I, I kind of enjoy it. I think that it, there is something to be said for the NFL making it more sustainable. I think we're probably headed toward an 18-game, two-by-week schedule at some point in the future. Adding another bye week so everyone can have that time off after the international trip, or if you want to take it before, you're able to have it. Um, again, I know that, especially also for the traveling media members that went on this trip, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a pain. But also, like 
you know, Renee asked, like, oh, so are they going to keep going to Germany? Like, we want to go to one of those games? We're like, well, we don't know. They, they probably aren't going to have to do it back-to-back years and all of that. But it, it is a cool experience. I imagine being a Chiefs fan from here and traveling overseas to see a game would be awesome. Uh, it's just, it is a different environment and a different experience. Again, super duper narrow, but just like one of the coolest sports viewing experiences I've had is, is on our, our honeymoon back in the uh, early summer, late spring, whatever. Uh, back in May, we went to a Barcelona game and we were like three rows behind the supporter section and we got to be at a Barcelona game in Bartha and be able to experience all of that. It was incredible. And so the idea of, of the NFL wanting to export to an international audience and try to get their hooks in them some, and then also the idea of being able to go see a Chiefs game internationally is really, really cool. So I I am, I am I think more than, than not, glad that the NFL is doing this. I think there's still probably room for it to improve in a way that I don't know that they can ever have the the London Jaguars, right? I, I don't know that that's ever something that's going to really make sense. If you had an entire European division, could you make that work in a more fine-tuned schedule? Maybe. Maybe they eventually get there, and you have a lot of divisional games there. You have some of those teams spend more time on, on the American side for longer stretches. There's some ways they could work on that. The way to do it is to give... Four countries, their own team. Yeah. So you have all the entire kind of Canadian-esque yeah. country behind one franchise instead of dispersing it a bunch in one country. Yeah, and I think if— If you're going to do it. And that's something that I think is probably—we're probably a decade away from that conversation even being, like, real. Not not a decade away from it starting. I think we're probably a decade away from the groundwork. of. I mean, we're in the groundwork of that now, but— Correct. Everyone listening right now, if you're listening, whatever, how long have we been going? A couple hours. If you're a couple hours in to a post-game show, uh, that I, Dylan, you, should, you gave me some metrics there with your hands. I did not understand any of them. We've, we've been going for an hour and a half here talking about an American football game that started at 8.30 Central. Presumably you got up this morning to watch it. You're listening to the show now. Maybe you're listening to the podcast later on, whatever. We all, I'll speak for myself. I, I really think that that American football, I'm going to go ahead and use those terms since talking about this on an international basis, I think American football is the best sport in the world. It's certainly my favorite, but it's also not an international sport. You got something that's this good, and look, the NFL, it's also about money, so I'm not saying it's all uh, altruistic by any stretch of the imagination. Clark Hunt wants the Chiefs to be in Germany, not because he wants Germany to love football, I mean, maybe as a, as a secondary trait, I bet he does. But really, it's like, hey, we got all these international markets because we want to sell more Chiefs merch overseas. Which, you know, hey, I get it. Plus international TV deals at some point. All of those things all come into it. But I think there is something cool on the base level. There is something cool about we, we might have made the best sport in the world. Even, even if we're never going to get the rest of the world completely on board. Let's let's show let's show the rest of the world the sweet sport that America created here a little more recently, popularizing around the world a little more recently than some others, and, and see if it can't take over some. I don't know if it will ever be a true international game, but I I kind of like it. But I'm I'm also you know beginning largely because of Renee's insistence. I'm beginning to tap in a little bit to my international side and being able to travel and go to that Barcelona game was was a, a real like hallmark experience for me as a sports fan. I think it's cool that other people are getting that, that experience as well. And here's the other thing. You can't be on both sides of the fence of 
Gee, I can't believe we're sending over Jags Lions to the <laughs> overseas, and then also be mad that this game was put in yeah, Germany. That's like, a good take. It's it's kind of you have to grow the game with good games. Yeah. And the reason why it probably wasn't growing was because the Jags stunk, and they were the only team that kept going over there. Didn't didn't Brady get sent over there for his last year? Also, was last it? year? Yeah. That, yeah. that was a there was a Bucks game. Was it that was in Bucks, Germany? Also, Seahawks. Was Germany. that well, that was Germany? Yep. Munich, that's right. Remember, okay, they tried to do the different. Brady throwback, and he slipped on the grass. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got us in the stars over at some point. Again, the Chiefs are coming back with a win, so I don't think anyone should be mad about that. I don't think the, the game being there changed much. Also, with some of the reporting from Peter King and Nate Taylor in The Athletic, the Chiefs chose this game to get over there, and so they, they were way more excited to have Tyreek Hill in Germany than they were to have him in week one opening the season with the banner dropping in Kansas City. They chose, they preferred the Lions game in week one as opposed to the Dolphins in week one, and they protected the Bears game, I guess, to stay in Kansas City as well, which is weird to me. Um, would have been better for season ticket holders to protect that Miami game. Chiefs didn't want to. So anyway... A little bit of a diversion, but I think it's fun, even though it is definitely a little bit of something to get used to. Uh, we'll see how that continues to evolve over the years. I'm guessing the Chiefs will not play overseas next season. Um, I guess they could as a road team, but that's a long, 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 long ways away. Next, they have a bye week, and now we hear from Patrick Mahomes. The uh, quarterback press conference is brought to you by Kansas City Area Acura Dealers. As our hometown team in red marches through another epic year, visit your Kansas City Area Acura Dealers to score jaw-dropping deals on new and pre-owned Acura models. Plus, get overpaid for your trade. Shop your Kansas City Area Acura Dealers. We'll start here from the top with Patrick Mahomes. Asked if he thinks the Chiefs' offense will get back to where they've been in years prior. Um, I think you, I think you can see it in spurts. Um, you look at the first drive. You look at the 90-yard drive that we had. Um, you can see that we can do it. Um, it's just about being consistent every single drive, and obviously um, penalties and then me not connecting on guys deep down the field um, hurt us. Um, but uh, luckily for us, our defense is playing their tail off, and we got the win. Yeah, no, that that was that was sweet. I mean, obviously, a uh, huge play in the game. Um, but uh, the the way they were able to not only make the big hit, strip the ball. Um, I think it was Mike that picked it up and then pitched it to to Cook, and Cook was rolling, man. It, it, I said it looked like he was like the anchor leg of a four by one in track. So he got those knees up and was rolling down the field. So a uh, uh, huge play that obviously mattered a ton at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean the the, the fact that they're so good at all all three levels that they're deep. They, I mean guys rotate in, they can play. Um, it's hard to get everybody snaps. That's how good they are. And so, uh, I mean, it's, it's got to be a top defense in the NFL. Um, that's a great offense for them to, to hold them to 14 points where I fumbled in our own uh, area uh, for seven of those points. I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous, tremendous job. And I think they're going to continue to get better because they're young and, and they love it. That's a good point, too. We talked a lot about how the Chiefs' defense improved over the course of last season and now how the Chiefs' defense is holding the Chiefs' head up over water while the offense tries to get things together. This defense isn't going to get worse. I mean, teams are going to try different things, but the, this is still a really young group that is still kind of gelling. It's really, really exciting. And Mahomes was asked about that Chiefs defense being excellent and if he saw all this coming. 
I knew they were going to be good because you look at the end of last year, um, and they played great football. No one really noticed. Um, and so I knew they were going to be good. We brought back so many people, um, so many young guys, and they were going to develop. Um, but, I mean, the fact that they're all developing this fast, I don't know if anyone could have guessed it, but uh, I knew they were going to be great great as uh, their careers went on. But uh, it's good to have a lot of young guys that can play like that. Yeah, it was an amazing experience to be out here in Germany. I mean, I could see, you see red all around the town. I mean, the Chiefs Kingdom showed up, um, and you could feel the love that they had not only uh, for the game of football, but for the players, and you could tell they watched, and they, they knew what they were talking about. And so I'm ex- I was excited to be here and even more excited leaving that hopefully I could get back at some point. Yeah, I just, you know, just high fives and stuff like that. Um, but uh, like I said, I want to get back. Uh, I work with a lot of people that are in Germany, and I want to get back out here and see what see Chiefs Kingdom out here in Germany. Perfect. Uh, um, there's someone you often compare to in The German fans, they knew it. They were loud the entire game. They were passionate. Um, you could tell that they watched football, on the, on American football on the daily, and, and they really understand it. And it's, it was great for the NFL to give us this opportunity. I'm sure there will be many more um, as my career goes on. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to get back and be able to play, and, and not only Frankfurt, but Munich or wherever else the NFL goes. Again, like this is very much just my recent experience. Very, I'm happy to have it color my my analysis now. If you have a chance to watch a game in an international environment or or get to an international environment where there might just be a game with a bunch of crazy fans, I, I'd love to go to a Premier League game at some point, and it doesn't matter which one. Like, the, there's always going to be those fun, different environments, and certainly you want international Chiefs fans have a chance to watch a game at Arrowhead. That was more my experience with the Barcelona thing I was referring to. You know, it was like, it was going to see a game in the Arrowhead of, um, I mean, saying of all international soccer, might, I don't know, but of La Liga or whatever. Um, it It is an awesome thing. And, and also saw Isaiah Pacheco in street clothes. So presumably he went like post-game meeting, showered, whatever, came back out and was signing some autographs for the remaining fans there in Germany as well. Those are really cool opportunities to grow the game, to make some fans. And uh, it's just it's a cool experience that uh, even as the at-home viewing experience gets better and better and better and better, red zone, anything on TV, you can get to your own bathroom, get your own snacks, all of that. Even as the at-home experience keeps getting better, there is something really cool about, uh, again, those using the word experiences a lot, but those experiences in different stadiums, in different arenas, watching different teams, different fan bases, really cool. I, I would love to go uh, be be in the stands of a maybe a weird vibe international game and certainly couldn't get could not get better than, than Chiefs Dolphins, even as that game was, unsurprisingly. A little weird. Uh, next up here from Mahomes, starting off with, uh, before he gets to what some stuff the Chiefs need to work on before they get to Philly, his thoughts on Rasheed Rice's game today. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's making plays. He, he wants it. Um, he loves it. Um, and he's going out there and making plays. I think it, our job is to find different ways to get him the football uh, more down the field because he can do it. And so um, as the season goes on, his role will expand, and I'm excited for it. All right, we got time for three more. We're going to go there. You Pretty much, 
uh, think all you can do is keep working. Um, that, that's everything. It's me with timing. Um, it's them. Just continue to get catches as much as possible. Um, lucky for us, our defense is playing so good, so we're sitting here 7-2 going into the bye. Um, but we have a we, we can get a lot better as an offense. And I think if the offense gets to where I think it can be, we'll be a hard team to beat. That's certainly true. Also interesting for him to say it's their job to get Rasheed Rice the ball more and downfield more. That's something that uh, Seth Kaiser talked about recently of like, hey, is he's he's got this acceleration down the sideline. Can he run before he catches the ball? <laughs> like he's after the catch. You see the explosiveness from Rasheed Rice, right? Maybe a little more of that speed beforehand and just see if it works. I don't know. I'd be curious. Uh, interested to see how that evolves as well. And maybe, again, that's something that there could be some changes in the bye week. We'll, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. In fact, uh, not even a week from, not even two weeks from today, two weeks from tomorrow, uh, we'll have Monday Night Football Chiefs-Eagles. That ought to be an absolute blast as well. But one more clip here from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, first, the uh, difference between U.S. and overseas games. And I guess he gets a question here about playing in Spain. Hey, I got a stadium for you. It, they're actually renovating it a bunch, uh, the uh, the Barcelona home arena and uh, I had some big changes I'm not even entirely sure I'm not an expert on it I just I was a casual I bought my Barcelona scarf in the stadium and now I'm a lifelong supporter you know how it goes uh, it's fun to be a casual fan joining into a, an international team I imagine that's what it's like for a lot of uh, maybe new Chiefs fans leaving uh, the stadium in Frankfurt today but here uh, Mahomes asked a couple of questions about those international games I haven't played in London yet so I, I don't know that that crowd but uh Arrowhead's special because there's, there's so many Chiefs fans. It's all Chiefs fans. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of Chiefs fans in this game, which I was extremely happy about. But, obviously, it spread across all the NFL. Um, but, I mean, they're passionate both ways. Uh, the Chiefs fans, they've been there for 50 years. And they understand it. And they understand uh, when, to, when they're going to be the loudest for the defense and stuff like that. But I thought the, the Frankfurt fans did a great job of that. And uh, it felt like a home game. I mean, the, the Chiefs fans showed up out there, and Chiefs Kingdom was uh, loud and proud. Is it strange to, to feel like you're going home, but you're thousands of miles away from home? And speaking of that, uh, there are some rumors of the NFL coming to Spain. Would you want to play there? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up for anything. I'm, I'm always excited to get a, across the world and play football and show uh, American football what it has done for not only me, but for a lot of people um, to the rest of the world. Um, but, uh, I mean, I thought it was, uh, really cool just to be out here. I mean, the whole experience, being, being out in the city and at the practice facility, everything like that, you could tell everybody was excited. Um, and like I said, I want to come back. Um, I don't know when that will be, um, but, uh, when we get the opportunity, I hope Clark jumps at it and we can be back out here playing football games. Clark! First name basis. I guess when he's paying you half a billion dollars, you'd like to be on a first name basis, even though he's a NFL owner. But I, look, I, Spain, I think was my favorite of our, our, uh, a little honeymoon trip that, that Renee and I took. And again, getting to see anywhere that the way that the world ends up revolving around sports, you see it in the world cup, you see it in the Olympics in a different level. But I, uh, I, I, I have to admit, I, I do like the, the international project. I also, even when it's not the chiefs do like an eight thirty AM NFL game. If it's a good game, you can start the game with some, start your day with uh, some, some coffee on the couch and, have it roll into Red Zone Channel or the Chiefs game, whatever it is. It's it's a cool day of uh, of football. So I'm I'm cool with the early morning kickoffs, and I'm cool with the NFL trying to make this game a little more international. They got a great spokesperson for that in Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk to our best spokesperson of this side of this timeout. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest joins us next. Clock winding down. 
They cut it off. Tua. Down he goes! McDuffie was the first to arrive. And Wharton cleaned it up. What a huge sequence. Two tackles for loss from the Chiefs defense and the Miami's back on their 45. Trip McDuffie had the green light there, so we'll give them the green light. Brought to you by Green Light Dispensary. The them could be McDuffie, could be Tershawn Wharton, could be the entirety of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. But if I got to give it to one player, I'll give it to Trent McDuffie. That's brought to you by Greenlight Dispensary. Outstanding customer service, superior product, and continuously voted Missouri's best. Open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. Find a location near you today at greenlightdispensary.com. In a day where Trent McDuffie did give up a touchdown, still a all-pro type of outing from the Chiefs' young corner. One of the absolute best in the league to do it. We go from one of the best corners in the league to one of the best journalists in the league. A Big J journalism reporter, an analyst, a do-it-all man at ChiefsDigest.com. It's Matt Derrick joining us here in the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Matt Derrick brought to you by Cap One Lending. The Freedom Loan at Cap One Lending is the exclusive loan that helps you pay your home off in less than half the time and gives you access to your home's equity without having to refinance. Go to CapOneLending.com. Matt, the uh, the Chiefs can take a little bit of uh, some points being lit their way from the defense to the offense. They pulled that off today with another scoring day from the uh, the defense, holding the Dolphins to just 14, scoring seven of their own. Where do you begin as the Chiefs had an early morning absolute barn burner there in Frankfurt? I mean, we are at the midway point of the season, essentially. I mean, you're 7-2 and two and going on a bye week. And my conclusion at this point is that this might be one of the best defenses in the NFL that if it ever gets any consistent play from its offense, might be the best team in the NFL. And whoever thought, given the Chiefs' recent history, we'd be saying something like that. Yeah. It's amazing, and I think, like, the only reasonable place you could be with this team right now um, because of what we've seen to this point. Where where were you standing exactly defensively entering this game? I remember talking weeks ago about how you know we're cannonballing in or dipping dipping a toe in the water, diving off the diving board, but not having yet quite hit the water in terms of uh, believing in the Chiefs' defense. What did they prove today? I remember you mentioning that hey, this this matchup with the Dolphins in Germany and then the Eagles on Monday night; those are two real real tests. This one, of course, passed with flying colors. Yeah, I, I suppose I should be conservative and, and say that there's one more test that they need to face. You know, they, they maybe they need to face Darth Vader again, if you'll appreciate the Star Wars <laughs> yes. reference. And Obi, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and, ben, and Yoda advice here. But, I mean... So yeah, I probably I, I want to say that they've, they've, they've dived into the pool and they're looking back at the judges, looking for the tens. Uh, on their dive, but I, I will say they're entering the water. I, I, I think that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said that they had made the turn and were just kind of just starting to, to start their dive from the top of the of the leap off the board, but now I, I, I think they're close. I think the fingertips have reached the water. They are they have completed it. Now they just need to stick the landing. Uh, the, the Eagles in two weeks will be a good example of if, if they can stick the landing. Uh, this was a really good performance, and it backs up, you know, a series of good performances. 
this Dolphins team look pedestrian today. Yeah. Um, they really just boxed them in. And even though they had a, a decent second half, it was not enough to be able to dig them out of the hole that the Chiefs put them in in the first half. And once again, I mean, this team is able to win when its offense is not firing at all cylinders. And that's what impresses me. So I'm, I, if they pull off something like this, if this team holds the Eagles to, and I don't, I, I'm almost hesitant to say it, but yeah. if, if this team holds the Eagles to something like 24 points and 300 yards, I, 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 I'll, I'll be all in. I mean, yeah. there will be, to me, nothing that this defense can't do. What do you attribute the, the success to the most? I mean, let's and let's just say today. Let, let's say kind of smaller picture, and then we'll eventually talk about those offensive cylinders that haven't fired yet. But but today, where do you where do you spread out the uh, the credit defensively? I mean, I think it's it's all over the place. I mean, you know, it's the ability to be able to get pressure on a quarterback without having to blitz. They do blitz, but the the, the important thing is that when this team blitzes. It's not to get pressure on the quarterback. It's to make plays. Mm. That's the difference, you know, to me with, you know, even maybe the pass rush a year ago, you know, they were, they were, and even two years ago, especially, they were blitzing because that was the only way this team could generate pressure on the quarterback. Last year, I think we started to see them make the turn, being able to get pressure on the quarterback consistently without having to blitz. Now we're seeing them take the next evolution, which is you can blitz. But when you blitz, it's because you expect to create sacks or turnovers, big negative plays, and and they're doing that now. So I think it's obviously one is just how how good and how consistent the pressure that, that they can get on the quarterback. I mean, they're getting consistent play at the linebacker position, no matter whom is out there, and they they're ball hawks in the secondary. And, and Trent McDuffie, another case of that one. The, the dude has four forced fumbles on the season as a cornerback. That's that's an impressive number, and that's why you know the guys on that defense say that Trent McDuffie is their best ball hawk. And it's not necessarily because he's just getting interceptions all over the place; it's because he makes plays like he did today. If I don't mention uh, this upcoming fact like three times a week, I, I actually begin to, uh, to to cease existing. I fade into the ether. Um, but NFL Street was a really formative part of my uh, both early video game playing life as a child and also my uh, my football loving life. And there has not been a more NFL Street type of play that I don't think I've seen uh, since or, or or until that Tyreek Hill strip recovery flip touchdown it was straight out of a video game that doesn't obey madden's physics uh, have you have you seen anything quite like that were you as uh, amazed by that play as i was i just i freaking love it it's just what trent mcduffie does yeah. i mean <laughs> nothing nothing surprises me anymore with that guy when he's able to just get the football out because it's almost like he just has a magnet of some sort i mean it, it makes sense when you've got willie gay just absolutely throat punching the football <laughs> out of some guy's hand yeah um great that you make contact you know hey that's fantastic and that's the way the, the chiefs of old and chiefs of yore used to create turnovers so they just hack him in a way um trent mcduffie's just he's got some sort of magic skill i don't know what it is it's just it's it's like as soon as he's able to get his body on a on a ball carrier he finds some way to get the ball out and it's not always just like punching it loose or anything like that it's just he almost squeezes the football out of him and that's kind of what he did tyreek yeah and and then the scoop from Edwards is one thing. In real time, when he started turning back, I could see I could see it happening. The fact that he pitched it was one thing. The fact that Brian Cook found daylight all the way to the end zone, I was truly amazed by. 
Yeah, I, especially because I am consistently told that Brian Cook is not the fastest guy in the world. <laughs> and, and yet he is now the fastest ball carrier that the Chiefs have had on uh, had this season amazing. on that run, according That's to the next-gen stats, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, you know, and when and when Edwards pitched that ball, I can only assume that Steve Spagnuolo was was doing the same the exact same thing that I was, which was no, 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 yes. <laughs> and I am sure that when he got to the sideline, as I, as I said this to someone earlier today, I'm absolutely sure that Dave Merritt and Steve Spagnuolo, somebody said to him, "Hey, Mike, great play. Don't ever effing do it again." I mean, you're not supposed to do it that way. You're supposed to just hand the ball to your MVP quarterback. But at the same time, that's what we watch football for, Josh. I mean, that's that's kind of touchdown that you're going to be you're going to you're going to remember. Yes, it's what we watch football for. Also, I don't know in that case that you do want your offense coming back on the field. There was not a lot of time left, and they. I, I mean, we were still before I guess the the parking brake was pulled on the Chiefs' offense, but it's just. It was so much fun, and I know again it, what makes me the uh, the sickos meme uh, from you know mostly college football Twitter and, and originating from the Onion is that I was I was not going no 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 yes I was going yes 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 <laughs> like that was that was where I was at but I'm you know not a not a defensive positional coach I understand that. Yeah, you're saying you're saying yes, yes, yes. Now, what were you saying when McCole Hartman, you know, catches a punt at the two yard line? I was going to ask if you wanted to go to special teams or <laughs> offense next. Um, when when the Chiefs field the punt, I am perpetually going, which is the sound you make when you are grimacing and just sort of sucking air through your teeth. Um, I, I don't know, man. Andy Reid and Dave Tobe weren't on the same page last week. I don't know if Dave Tobe and there's no way that Tobe and Reid and McCole Hartman are all on the same page currently. You you tell me you've you've been there for a lot of Dave Tobe pressers and asked him a lot of questions and been there for even more Andy Reid pressers asked him even more questions. You've been there for a lot from Nicole Hardman. You you tell me what was supposed to happen there. Uh, well, uh, I guess as Dave Tobe told you this week, you know, keeping your foot on the ten yard line and letting the ball go over your head is old school football and mm-hmm. nobody 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 coaches it that way anymore. Um, I'm still not real sure you're supposed to catch the ball at your own two yard line. Um, but you know, I, hey, Dave Tobe is always going to defend his guys, so he will shoot us straight at times. But I, I, I think right now he's trying to, I think maybe just kind of keep McColl's head in the game and everything. And he, and this is the other thing too is that to his credit, there was nobody harder on himself for that most punt last week than McColl Harper was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was still dwelling on it in the locker room throughout the week about saying he cost his team the game. He lost them, and and in reality, no. I mean, there was a, everybody had a piece of that, yeah. you know. But but McColl was absolutely convinced that he cost himself the game, and cost his team the game. That was also a play today that you know what? That's probably the, where the Chiefs want his headspace because they want McColl being aggressive. They want him making plays. They don't want him second guessing himself. So that's probably what what Dave Tobe was trying to do this week was to reinforce to McColl, hey, you know what? I got your back the right call i want you to do it again next time because they want to be aggressive on punt returns they want that and they don't want him being in a negative spot a negative space but at some point i mean you are going to have to i think just acknowledge the fact which is that that is a high risk play that with your offense you shouldn't necessarily be taking that risk all the time it worked out for him today. It didn't, it didn't bite them in the, in the. It didn't bite him in the hand, but it could have just like it did last week. So, I I think once again we we got 
I think Andy Reid would prefer, obviously, that they not be quite that aggressive. I think Dave Tobe wants McColl to be aggressive. Just not sure they want him to be that aggressive. It's also just a funny way for Andy Reid to uh, to defer one or two percent of his fifty one percent of the vote that he always talks about having. Like it's just, I don't know, man. It's weird. And uh, I like McCole Hardman, and I understood. I thought the logic of bringing him back, but they have not used him on offense in a meaningful way yet. And the special teams haven't really changed. So whatever. I, it is what it is, I suppose. And it's, I don't know. It, it hits me a little bit much like free segue here. Like Andy Reid every game saying, "Yeah, I probably should have run it in that situation." So yeah, you you probably should have. But you say that like every other week or so, and so the the whole little special teams reevaluation every other week doesn't really do much for me either. When when you look at what the Chiefs did there offensively today, the first fifteen, or at least the first seven of the first fifteen, were immaculate. The offense looked like its old self, and we saw beautiful Chiefs offensive football. And then in the second half, the cuffs were completely put on that group again. And I don't know. I mean, it's a mix of self-inflicted things, opposing defenses still being good, whatever. I've got a few specific names I want to ask you about, but what do you make of the offensive performance today? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the first drive was a, it was a piece of art. And, and it really was because the, the Chiefs certainly came out with the idea that we're going to hit these guys quick. We're going to move the ball efficiently. There's not going to be a lot of dilly-dallying. It's going to be Holmes, get rid of the ball quickly, strike quickly, run the football, and move down the field. And that's exactly what they did. And then as the game kind of wore on, and give the Dolphins credit. I mean, this is what they were trying to do. They're trying to get the Chiefs out of that. They're trying to get them. They're trying to get Mahomes to hold the football longer and everything. And that is something that is now evolving, which is that, you know, We've been trying to figure out, you know, defense has been trying to figure out how do you stop Patrick Mahomes. And I tell you what, I mean, no one has really articulated it this way, I don't think, but it's it's manifesting itself this way, which is that how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? I think you force Patrick Mahomes to stop himself Mm. by you force him to hold on to the football as long as possible. And once upon a time, you know, that was a dream for the Chiefs. You know, that if Patrick's extending plays, if he's moving around and throwing the ball deep, that's exactly the dream because he's going to find somebody eventually. Well, now teams are figuring out, okay, you know what? We're going to drop six or seven. We're not going to blitz this guy because that's the worst thing you can possibly do is blitz mm-hmm. this guy. But force him to stay in the pocket. Set the edge. Make sure that he can't dance around. You don't want him scrambling because he will beat you that way. But if you can contain him in the pocket and you can force him to hold on to the football for four or five seconds, bad things are going to happen now. And that's kind of what's happening. I mean, it's the longer that Patrick's been holding on to the football, the more likely he is to want to try and force it downfield. Mm. And with all of his own coverages and certainly the, you know, we're seeing a lot of double and triple high coverages on the back end. There's nothing available there. But what what is there is usually some quick-hitting stuff. You've got to find the empty voids in the zone. And those don't happen generally the longer you hold on to the football. Those disappear. And then the pressure gets there. So to me, I mean, uh, that's almost – if I had to describe what teams were doing defensively to the Chiefs right now, it's him, Patrick Mahomes, into the pocket, make him hold on to the football, don't let him scramble, and – they and the Chiefs will, if you hold on, if you can stay disciplined, the Chiefs will eventually make a mistake. That's what they're doing right now. 
We're talking to Matt Derrick, presented by Cap One Lending here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that Chiefs are headed into a bye week. I want to talk about a specific couple of receiver names at some point here, but do you think that there's going to be a little bit of a receiver rotation tightening as they can kind of have a window to self-scout and, and do all of that this weekend, or is it going to just continue to be a season of six or seven receivers getting legitimate work? I mean, you know, eventually it's going to have to be a case of the ball is going to go to guys who get open. Yeah. And, and that's the one thing that we're just, you know, not consistently seeing right now. I mean, I think that we saw it on that first drive because, once again, the Chiefs were getting rid of the ball quickly. They were, you know, identifying, making quick decisions about where to go with the football. And when you're seeing this many deep zone coverages, I mean, that's what's going to happen. But to me, the the play that, to me, was the way of the future, and it was kind of the same thing last week, the one play that stood out to me, mm-hmm. it was just like, we need to see more of that, is getting the ball to Rasheed Rice in space. Yep. Because that guy with the ball in his hands is just a playmaker, and he does not need to be getting the ball 15 yards downfield. You get him the ball at the line of scrimmage, and who's going to stop this guy? Because the way that he runs, I pity the defensive back who's going to try and bring this guy down. Uh, Maybe there's some bigger safeties who are going to have a chance, but corners certainly aren't. So I, I, that, that touchdown play was was well executed. It was well run by you know Rasheed. He kind of he made the adjustment that he needed to to get the ball in the right place, and then just ran right by people. And that's what he's capable of doing. So it's just like that that play he had last week against Denver. I mean, get more of that. Get him the ball on the edge. Get him the ball in space. Getting close to the line of scrimmage. If he's going to get yards out of the catch, he had a touchdown. And a diving first down catch on his only two targets. Yeah. I, I, no drops there today. No drops and no other chances to drop it. I, I don't actually believe that I'm like a better talent evaluator than Andy Reid, right? Like, I don't actually believe that. But when I look around, then everyone is saying, man, I'd get the ball to Rasheed Rice more. I, I am like genuinely asking, not just to be a dingus about it. What, what else does he have to do to earn that? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, and I think one, step one is obviously happening right now, which is he just needs more time. He needs more more time on the yeah, field. Sure. And now he's getting that. So he's getting more snaps. He's getting more opportunities. And then the next part of it is going to be, you know, designing plays specifically to get Rasheed Rice the football. You know, for the most part, it, the Chiefs, you know, majority of their throws are going to be designed to go to Travis Kelsey. And today was a good example of a defense that actually decided to pay attention to Travis. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they just, the Dolphins were not double-teaming tra- Travis Kelsey. They were triple-teaming him, and they were hitting him as much as they possibly could. So his struggle today makes sense. The, the the real question mark is why was nobody else able to take advantage of the fact that, that Travis Kelsey was getting all of the attention and everybody else was in single coverage? And, you know, and that's probably a little bit of it is play design and, you know, just how the Chiefs are building their offense right now. Honestly, some of it's going to be on the homes because, once again, we're talking about him holding on to the football too long, and that is not the recipe right now. Even today, there was a lot of pushing the football downfield. When I see Justin Watson getting five targets, and, you know, Marquez has three of those targets. I mean, those, for the most part, of those eight throws were pushing the ball down the field. And when you're facing the zones that the Chiefs are right now, those plays just are not open. 
the only way that you're going to get to hit those throws is by running the football effectively and by throwing the shortstop underneath so that you're forcing defenses to be honest. Because right now they're just selling out against taking away anything downfield against the Chiefs, and it, it works. I mean, but, you know, how do you do it? I mean, go back to that first drive. If the Chiefs just don't, to me, play that first drive over and over and over again over the, for the next two weeks and saying, hey, how can we do this the entire game? I think they're crazy. I got one more player that I just want to. I, I just. I just have to. Canarius Tony with the ball on his hands moves differently than than anyone in in American football currently playing in America. Like he and Tyreek Hill both have some little like gear of a wiggly like. Oh God, what's he gonna do? And Canarius Tony has a more chaotic version of it, I think, which is exciting and scary to me. But he. I'm not saying they they, they have to treat him like Tyreek Hill. But they trade for him last year under this idea that it's actually a move for 2023. The offseason hype was, hey, the Chiefs really think that Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony are the guys that are going to take big jumps. One of them is going to be wide receiver one. Obviously, Rasheed Rice has jumped both of them. I'm, that's fine, whatever. But when, when Sky Moore is out there and it's a play, it's like, oh, that's nice. He, he was open and Mahomes found him. That's a good sign. I'm happy with that. When Kadarius Tony has the ball downfield, not behind the line of scrimmage, but down the field a little bit, I am always excited about what's going to happen next. With with week one having the worst moment of his NFL career, since then I've I've been excited to see him have the football, and I don't I don't understand what the Chiefs' plan is because it feels like there's an inconsistency there, and in, in what was kind of the offseason plan, what the plan is now. I know he missed all of training camp. Is, is there something that we're missing there on Kadarius Tony? Because the Chiefs haven't given up on him, but I also feel like they could be using him more if they do actually believe in that skill set still. So what's what's real there, and and what's what's a bunch of uh, a bunch of noise. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably an Occam's razor thing, which is that the simplest explanation is probably the easiest one. Mm-hmm. And the simple explanation is that the guy missed all of training camp. So literally, you know, for the off-season work, has no time at full speed working in his offense mm-hmm. until the season starts. Mm-hmm. So he's rusty. On top of that, he had knee surgery in August. Yep. I don't care how minor it was. Mm-hmm. Knee surgery is knee surgery. So even when he comes back, he's not 100%. And then, two, ever since then, he's had more and more injuries. You know, mm-hmm. he's had, he had the sprained toe. He's now got an ankle injury he's dealing with. He has not been 100% at any moment this season and probably has been far from it. And, you know, and that affects you in so many different ways. I mean, if you, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a compounding of everything else that was already happening, which is that he doesn't have that six weeks of training camp practice. Now he's probably not getting as much work in practice during the week because he's nursing every single one of these injuries. I mean, I've joked before that he's kind of like a Maserati yeah. and that he's great. I mean, he can move and do all these things, but what's the problem with the Maserati? It's in the shop half the time. Yeah. And that's kind of been Kadarius Tony's, I mean, kind of MO and, it's it does stink because I think if if he had had a healthy start to the season, we're probably talking about an entirely different situation for Kadarius. But I, I think it's, I think if anything, it's just the the time that he missed during training camp and the little nagging injuries that are keeping him from being what the Chiefs thought he could be this year. Let me ask you this way, then, and I'll let you go. Is, is that for you more of a bet on? That's just what Kadarius Tony is going to be all year, or is that a bet on the remainder of this season, a bye week to retool some things, getting healthier late in the year, presumably? 
if he doesn't have new injuries added to the list, is his role going to continue to grow, or was that all stunted already and this is just what it's going to be the rest of the year? What What do you think is more true there? I I would think that probably, I mean, most likely what I'm thinking is going to happen is that he's going to be more involved in the second half, that, you know, the bye week can certainly help get him healthy, and that, but the Chiefs are still going to probably use him in the same way that they have been, which is and essentially a part-time role, and not as maybe the number one receiver that they envisioned him back in June, but as more of a complementary receiver and, and, and a lot more of a role that he played last year. That doesn't mean he won't play more snaps, but it's just how many, how many plays are going to be designed specifically for him and what packages. I think it's probably unfair to expect that an extra week of rest and all of a sudden he's going to be the team's number one receiver. I think it's it's more likely to just expect an improvement on where he's at. Now, I mean, another injury happens, and maybe we're just talking about this being a lost season for Kadarius, and there was just too many injuries one after the other, and he couldn't get couldn't get out of the garage. But I think that, I think what you're hoping for is you get a, that extra week of rest that it it really lets him kind of put some of the problems that he's had in the first half of the season, the injuries behind him that he gets a little bit stronger and is able to, you know, maybe if they're able to nurse him a little bit of his, his playing time and make him stronger for the second half. I, I'm, I'm sure that's been part of the strategy all along, which is that if Kadarius Tony only has so many snaps in him for the 2023 season, make sure they're in December and January. I mean, that's when you want them. So I, I'm assuming that's a little bit of how their strategy has, has been to, you know, manage him along. So I, I'm expecting him to be more involved but in the second half of the season, but I just don't think it can be possibly as the number one guy who's going to get you 40 catches in the second half of the season or anything like that. Yeah, I can live with that. I think even like the full-time, part-time role would make would, would at least make sense to me. But this super part-time, see-you-twice-a-game kind of thing is, has I've grown wary of uh, or have grown frustrated with because... It's fun to watch him with the football in his hands, and there aren't that many guys right now on this team that I feel... Noah Gray led the team in receiving today with three catches for 34 yards. If you would have told me that at 8 a.m., I would have changed some things about my predictions of how this game was going to go. It it did make me think that, uh, you know, I I, I don't know how the overs on all of the Chiefs receivers or receiving yards on on, uh, on FanDuel or whatever, you know, DraftKings and everything would have done Mm -hmm. this week. Um, They weren't very high. They weren't. Um, but I'm almost afraid that, except for Noah Gray, maybe nobody hit them. And I don't even know if you can bet on a Noah Gray over receiving yards. I'm sure it's out there. But. You definitely can. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and open up my uh, friend's DraftKings account to say that my uh, friend's parlay hit the over on Kadarius Tony's 9.5 receiving yards. Um but Justin Watson didn't hit his 17 and a half despite two catches. Uh, okay. Actually, I didn't have as many of them on the, uh, I didn't have as many of them on the same card here as I thought I did because I went through on Friday, um, and looked at all of that. It was a lot of very low overrunners. Like, well, if you took the over on Noah Gray, Skymore, MVS, Jarek McKinnon, Canarius, Tony, whatever, those, those probably all would have hit. Um, because they were all extremely, extremely low, but I, I think several of those probably didn't. And uh, what a weird game, man. Patrick Mahomes threw for 185 yards. They ran for 93 yards, and they beat one of the most uh, fun offenses the NFL has seen in recent memory. What's a weird sport, Matt? It's a weird, weird sport. 
It's a weird, weird sport when the Chiefs, I'm trying, I'm pulling it back up again, uh, had, what, 67 yards of offense in the second half and win. That's unbelievable. Uh, enjoy the bye week, Matt. Maybe we can do some self-scouting ourselves. We'll uh, see you Friday for the zone, I imagine, and uh, we'll, we'll just talk to you then. This conversation is always the second best part of my week, and seeing you in person is always the best part of my week, Josh. So looking forward to it. Matt's a great reporter and a better liar. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. You can follow him on Twitter, across socials, in fact, at Matt Derrick. Again, the uh, the good stuff all there, ChiefsDigest.com. Go uh, give it a click. Give it a bookmark if you haven't. Uh, make it your homepage. I don't know. Call call Matt's personal phone number and ask him to dictate a story to you. He might even do that. Uh, ChiefsDigest.com to find Matt Derrick also across the week here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll take one more timeout, then we will uh, wrap things up next on the Sports Radio 810 10 WHP postgame show. And he points and fast. And they can't really settle for anything but seven, it feels like. Tua for the end zone. And Wilson. A touchdown. No flags. 31 yards. Dolphins are on the board. It was their first touchdown. There weren't many more to follow. Only one. And yeah, it's a Dolphins highlight, but it's our ugly play of the game brought to you by We Buy Ugly Houses. And the Chiefs defense bought Kansas City plenty today altogether. Owning a house can be a problem. An ugly problem. Repairs, taxes, mowing the yard. Let We Buy Ugly Houses be the solution. Call 1-800-44-BUYER or go to webuyuglyhouses.com. Dot com. A little unfair for the defense to have to wear the ugly play, but it was a nice play by the, the uh, Dolphins' offense. And for a moment, a feeling of, ooh, is this just a sign of things to come? Will this defense eventually buckle? Will uh, the Chiefs' offense put the, their own defense in bad situations again this week in a way that might cost them the game? Let me tell you again what the story of this game should be. The Kansas City Chiefs, in a year where their offense has been completely disjointed for the vast majority of it, now enter their bye week 7-2. and two. They're atop the AFC. The AFC West is over. And as frustrating as it was to lose Game 1 on Banner Night and to lose last week to the Denver bleeping Broncos for the first time in a long time, the Chiefs stand in a spot we all would have taken, I believe, to say, hey, here's where you are at the bye. You're nine games in, again at the top in those places, but most importantly, don't let the storylines tomorrow change your view of what happened here today. The Miami Dolphins offense did not choke. They did not have a bunch of self-inflicted wounds. This was not a team that came out jet-lagged or out of sorts today. This is a Miami Dolphins offense that is extremely good. And again, first take, get up, FS1. Across the board tomorrow, the storyline I believe will most likely be Can the Dolphins win against a contender? Are the Miami Dolphins frauds? Frauds for the Finns? Finn frauds? There'll be something there. Imitation fish? Imitation tuna? One of those will be on the... That might be the one. One of those will be on the bottom third tomorrow. That's not the story. The story of this game is that the Kansas City Chiefs went to Frankfurt and did something they've done every other game this year. The Kansas City Chiefs defense played an excellent game of football that gave the Chiefs offense a chance to take that to a victory. 
Seven times the offense has held up their end of the bargain, at least well enough. But nine out of nine times, the Chiefs defense has done their job and much more. Enjoy the rest of the day. We got football down in ESPN Kansas City. Football sporting Kansas City in St. Louis starting here at 425 today on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Till then, bye, Mom!